Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into another year of Sports Call live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today I've got Tom Peavy and Brooks Childress with me for the full three hours on this Tuesday, our first show of 2024, and we thank you for being along for the ride here today as we will have a full show of important football topics to talk about. We will, of course, talk about Auburn and Maryland, the disastrous bowl outing for the Tigers in the Music City Bowl. We will discuss that in great detail. We'll discuss, of course, the great playoff games yesterday. Both semifinal matchups uh, went down to the wire, went down to the very last play. And so definitely both of those will need to be discussed in great detail. We'll talk to Justin Ferguson at 3.30 today of the Auburn Observer. He will talk about Auburn football, their next steps as they head uh, out of the 2023 season and head towards spring ball in a few months. We'll talk about portal stuff, that sort of thing. We'll also talk a little bit about Auburn basketball with him. Might not get too many Auburn basketball thoughts in today as a whole for the show. We will definitely try to get more of those in tomorrow as the Tigers have another uh, opponent tonight in the Penn Quakers come to the Neville Arena. And for the first time this year, Auburn basketball is ranked in top 25. So still a lot, a lot there that we'll get to, if not today, tomorrow. And, of course, we want to get to your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free one triple eight nine tiger nine. We hope everyone out there had a very happy new year. We hope you had a great time bringing in 2024, and we look forward to creating a lot of great memories here on the show and just in life and in sports in general in 2024. Again, Ryan Brooks and Tom with you here to start the new year. We'll start with you, Tom P. Hey. How are you, good sir? I, I'm doing great, and uh, happy new year to everybody, and welcome to 2024. That's. Uh, Everybody get used to it. You got to start writing a four on everything that you do a date on now. It, it usually it would always take me a little while of getting into the habit of that. I don't know how many times I would write the previous year just out of pure habit. So everybody get used to that. <laughs> but um, great playoff games we'll get to, but uh, obviously it's just a, an absolute epic disaster for Auburn in, in the Music City Bowl. And it leaves a lot of questions, uh, it, just plain and simple. There's going to be a lot of questions out there as we move towards, uh, you know, looking towards the next season. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a good New Year. It's been a good break. I'm ready for 2024 and ready to get into all this sports talk that we've got ahead of us. Yes, sir. Brooks Childress, I hope you're having a happy New Year. How are you, my friend? I am doing great. I am officially back for the long haul. It's not just a one-day stop-off like it was <laughs> last week. Uh, I had a great time. I went to uh, Savannah, Georgia uh, with the uh, the in-laws 
this past uh, weekend, and so that was really fun. First time I've been to Savannah ever, and so it was really, really fun. Uh, then went to Charlotte uh, for the new year. Uh, that and that was uh, that was a it was a good time up there, and so rung in the new year on the East Coast, and so uh, that that's not the first time I've done that, but it, it it's always fun to actually be in the same time zone as when the ball drops in New York because I don't it's like you know you're watching it here and you're like oh cool they're New Year well we had to wait another hour uh, that's fun but it, you know you you count down to the New Year on on there in in New York and uh, on the East Coast so that was really fun so. Uh, I'm refreshed. I'm ready to go. Uh, we got a lot to talk about the uh, the Auburn game. Watched most of that uh, on this weekend, and it was uh, like like you said, Tom. It was uh, leave a lot of questions. Auburn basketball continues to roll. They've got another game tonight. Auburn women's basketball continues to roll as they start conference play on Thursday. Uh, I was at the presser this morning for Auburn gymnastics as they get their season started on Saturday out in Las Vegas. So it's you know you turn the calendar into the new year. And boom, you're right back into it. You get a couple weeks off of uh, of sports, and then right as you turn that calendar, it's like, all right, let's get back to it. And so it's uh, it's going to be a great day on Sports Call, a great week on Sports Call, a great year on Sports Call, and I can't wait to get it started right uh, now. Absolutely, and I do have one New Year's question for you, both. Yeah. I, I have to, I have to at least ask this. I'll ask it in a uh, more of a camouflaged way. How much of from like the 10 p.m. hour to 2 a.m. hour, do you remember? Do you remember everything from 2023 into 2024? <laughs> I was I was working. Okay, fair. So, so I, yeah, you I remember. I, I was yeah we yeah. I, I it was a very busy night bartending. Sure. For a New I Year's imagine. Eve. So, so yes, I remember. Good. I remember. Also remember how epically tired I was by the time <laughs> I got home at oh eight thirty in the morning. Good Woo. lord. Woo. Wow, Brooks. Yeah. I, I, I remember every game of ping pong I beat my wife in okay. uh, during that time. There so, you go. Yeah, yeah. I had all my wits about me too. Uh, didn't mean I didn't do anything, but uh, I have all I have all the memories <laughs> I need. So, uh, yeah, I hope everyone had a good time bringing in the new year for sure. Uh, let's get to it uh, again. Justin Ferguson will be joining us about three thirty today. He'll recap what we're about to talk about, uh, which was the Music City Bowl and Auburn struggling mightily against Maryland. Uh, spotted Maryland 21 after a, a destructive first quarter. Uh, oddly enough, I know no one's going to really frame it this way. That's fine. Uh, after the first quarter, uh, Auburn played very even with Maryland. And uh, after they had gotten knocked back defensively and gotten very confused, they actually stymied Maryland the rest of the game. But that Auburn offense, which we've talked about all throughout the year, Never really got going, and uh, they lose thirty-one thirteen. Your overall impressions, Tom Peavy? Um, stinks. Uh, I, so here, I said, you know, it leaves a lot of questions. So here's here's my thing, and this is where I have just glaring problems with, uh, not just Hugh Freeze, but with with Montgomery and just the, you know the general offense. Is, is the lack of uh, the lack of adjustments or the lack of adjustments that work? Um, the lack of game planning that seems to be there. Uh, obviously, there's execution issues uh, on the offensive side of the ball, which you know, I've, yeah, that comes down to to roster, which was just in bad shape. But I mean, when you look at what the defense did, yeah, they come out, they get punched in the mouth, but they didn't continually to get punched in the mouth the rest of the game. They made adjustments. They made adjustments that worked. They executed those adjustments, and like you said, Ryan, they pretty much stymied 
Maryland the rest of the way after just absolutely getting punched in the face to start out. The offense does not has not seemed to be able to figure that out, to be able to make adjustments and make adjustments that work. Um, so for Hugh Freeze, some things are going to have to change. Um, I think he is going to have to go a different route with the offensive coordinator. I just don't think that this has worked this year. Um, I think I think a change there has got to be made. I you know Hugh Freeze is a an offensive minded guy. Uh, you know, do you keep with that same offensive philosophy, or does that philosophy work? It, does the twenty fourteen ish era of Hugh Freeze does that philosophy offensive philosophy does that work in twenty twenty three twenty twenty four? I don't know. You know, you have to adjust with the times. And I don't know if that's an offensive philosophy that would have worked back in his days at Ole Miss and maybe even when he was at Liberty, and it just doesn't translate to now. I don't know if that's the case or if it's just bad roster. Um, he said a lot of things after the game that are very concerning. Uh, you know, then you've got your concerns at quarterback. He, he was all on board. It seemed like that Peyton Thorne was going to be the guy. And then all of a sudden, now after that performance, Peyton Thorn Peyton Thorn seems to maybe not be the guy. Uh, there's reports out there that, that that Auburn talked to Cam Ward, uh, the the transfer from Washington State, which seems like that went absolutely nowhere. It sounds like Cam Ward may be going the NFL route. So then now there's there's talks of going into the transfer portal. Uh, it, it just on the offensive side of things, it just, there's so many questions, and there has to be because, really, all season long, it has just it has been a very bad offensive Auburn team, and, and it's a whole bunch of different things. But I think when you look at the fact that there was no progress really made, it doesn't feel like uh, when it feels like the philosophy, the game planning, and just a lot of the other variables that are in there. That's where things are going to have to change. You're going to build the roster. You're already building it with your wide receivers. You're building it on the offensive line. You've got a really good stable of running backs coming back, even though uh, you did lose one to the transfer portal in uh, Brian Batty. Uh, you've still got a good stable of running backs. You've got big wide receivers coming in. The roster is getting there. But I have questions with the game planning. I have questions with the philosophy. I have major, major questions and issues at the quarterback position right now. And, and so that's where it is. And that, and so you're left with a lot of questions as you go into 2024. And that's where Hugh Freeze is going to have to make his money. But I think he's going to have to make a change at, at offensive coordinator. I think there's going to have to be kind of a change in some philosophy type things. And I definitely think they need to try to shore up that quarterback room a little bit because, you know, when – when Hank Brown is your best-looking quarterback in that bowl game, that does not leave you with the warm fuzzies as you head into the 2024 season. Same question to you, Brooks. Again, a lot to digest from the game. What was the biggest takeaways from your perspective? Um, the the wide receivers did not do Peyton Thorne any favors in this one. There were several passes that you you know, you looked at the wide receivers and you said, well, you you know, uh, guys of a little higher caliber should have caught that. Um, I think, you know, obviously, you know, you, you're, there's a lot of, uh, of blame to go around 
uh, on the offensive side of the ball. I think Maryland's defense did a, did a good job of of doing what they thought could do. Is is they went in and they knew Auburn, you know, didn't coming into the game even before, you know, even even when the game was announced and nobody had put hit the transfer portal yet. They said Auburn's strength is running the ball, and we're going to go in and we're going to stop the run. Auburn's leading rusher on the day was Jarquez Hunter. He had 44 yards on the day, 44. That's not, uh, you know, if your strength is running the football, that's not going to win you a football game. Um, they kind of, you know, they the they knew that Auburn, and, it's, and then especially after some of the uh, transfers and uh, such, the, this team, the, the Maryland defense knew that they were, that the they could uh, they could exploit that and kind of, you know, or lean toward the shutting down the run, and they, they did. Um Mike Loxley uh, is a is a good offensive coach. We you know I, I know a lot of Auburn folks remember him from his days being the offensive coordinator at Alabama. Um, he you know his his offense still you know looked good out of the gates. And I think that's another thing is you really didn't know what to expect when you when you trot out Billy Edwards out there because he hadn't gotten much. It was it's been Tagovailoa uh, for several years now as the starting quarterback, and he you know it, Edwards has had a couple snaps this year in garbage time, but I, it, nothing of of note. And he came out and he uh, he looked good. Um, and you know you you cycle in edge a little bit too, but you know Peyton Thorne had more completions on the afternoon than both of those quarterbacks combined. He 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 had more completions there than than both of their Maryland's quarterbacks. Um, I, I do think that something needs to change offensive offensively in the coaching area. I don't know if you necessarily have to go with a new offensive coordinator. I just I, I think that you you know it, Hugh Freeze if Hugh Freeze steps back in and is the primary play caller next year I I would like to see how that works out because you know I, I think that both Montgomery and Freeze can you know they they work well together their offenses are are, are good together uh, melding but I, I you know it, it really really I, I think that the the play calling needs to maybe go back to Hugh Freeze on a on a more solid basis next year. I think that could, you know, I think that they're, they're going to want to do that. I think I would still like to see uh, a, a quarterback competition this year. Uh, with, I, I don't know if you necessarily need to go out and get somebody out of the portal because who's out there? I mean, who's the guy out there that you can get that is going to be better, uh, that is that is going to be leaps and bounds better than, than anybody on this roster, especially with what Hugh Freeze has talked about leading into this last uh, few weeks of the season, and then in about uh, you know he's he's really talked up Holden Gurner uh, and and how impressed he is at that. I, I think going into a, a quarterback competition this year with Peyton Thorne, a Holden Gurner, and uh, a Walker White uh, is going to be uh, is is something that I'm going to be really interested to see this this uh, spring and maybe into the summer. Um, defense again. We you you know we we talked about it, Ryan. You you talked about it, Tom. You talked about it. They made the adjustments. They they you know they got punched in the mouth. Twenty one points in that first quarter. They didn't. They 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 stepped up and they made some plays. There was there was opportunities for Auburn to come back in that football game. Uh, the defense presented them the opportunity. Let me let me phrase it. The defense presented Auburn with the opportunities to continue to come back in that football game, uh, and and the offense didn't didn't do it. And so, a lot of questions. Um, it, it's 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 going to be an interesting off season. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a, a fun topics of conversation talking about offensive football. Uh, for the next uh, six eight months, really, uh, going toward toward August of next year. And man, it 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 really just leaves a sour taste in your mouth for Auburn fans. Is, is that's how you ended the season? Yeah. Uh, 
You, you mentioned quarterbacks. Uh, or who? Well, a quarterback uh, has come into the portal just a few minutes ago. Oh. Liberty quarterback Caden Salter plans to enter the transfer portal. 6'1", 195, threw for 2,876, 32 touchdowns, added 1,089, and 12 touchdowns on the ground. Obviously led Liberty to a 13-1 record. Two years of eligibility left. And as of, yeah, as of a few minutes ago, he's in the transfer portal. So you would think that with the connections to Liberty and all that, maybe that's somebody that Hugh Freeze is going to look at. But I don't is know. he is he leaps and bounds better than what? I think anybody. I, I'm thinking right now anybody's leaps and bounds of what the better than what I saw from Peyton Thorne. and I get the wide receivers did not do him any favors. I I get that, uh, but there's times that, that he just looked confused. He just didn't know what I. I'm I'm just not I'm I'm not sold that he is the guy that can get it done. Um, even with really good wide receivers, I, I'm just I'm not sold. Maybe Hugh Freeze sees something in him, but but again, it even seems like that he backed off of that. And the the post game comments after that, and the fact that they uh, at least entertained a, a phone call from, or at least from what I've heard reported, entertained a phone call from Cam Ward. Um, it makes you wonder that it makes you wonder if Hugh Freeze is still sold on Peyton Thorne as, as the guy. Uh, I, I think you're taking a huge chance in trying to make Walker White your guy as a true freshman, even though everything I've seen from him looks great. But, I mean, that's all in high school. You don't know how he's going to transition into the college game. Maybe. Uh, you know, there's been plenty of true freshman quarterbacks that have shined out there. But, I mean, you're taking a huge risk with that. Um, but, but, yeah, some things are going to have to change and and drastically – and I don't know. Like I said, there, there's just there's some also baffling things. You know, Hugh Freeze. I, I don't think that he left a lot of Auburn fans very comfortable with with things he was saying after the game. You know, the uh, fo- more focused on recruiting. I get what I can't remember the exact quote, but it's something about being more focused on the recruiting than the game planning for the bowl game or something along those lines. And it's ooh, I just I don't know. I, but you I, see that—that's what he's been saying all year. He's been saying that that same thing. He's he's been saying that all year no. long is that he's been focused on recruiting. He's gotten you know he he's looked at game plans and he's gone over some stuff, but all year long he's left the game planning up to more of the offensive staff. Right. Well, and again, so why why would it be a problem at the, just because they lost this bowl game? Well, well, I mean, but I thought that he I thought he was supposed to be taking more of a. Hold on that. And the other thing is, I mean, after after signing day, it was a dead period. So what were you doing in the dead period? I mean, you're not supposed to be recruiting in the dead period. We know they all are. <laughs> not supposed to, we know they all are. Auburn well, got a four-star receiver in 2026 the other day. We, right. know, we know they all are. Yeah. It's but, like I'm just, but I'm just – you know, those, those are the – but, I mean, that just leaves – that leaves fans concerned. I mean, it, it, it's like, okay, I get it. Yes, you've got to recruit, but – you also have to game plan. You and you just and when the game plan looks as just pure daggum pitiful as it as it was, it looked like there was no game plan. It it looked like the same stuff all that we've just seen all year long is just kind of like rinse and repeat. Hey, we're not really going to game plan for anything. Let's just go out there and do what we've been doing all year. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then oh crap. You know, run on first, run on second, throw on third, punt. Run on first, run on second, throw on third, punt. Loss of yards, loss of yards, punt, incomplete, incomplete, punt. I, you know, it, it, ah, 
it, it just yes. feels like if, yeah, it just <laughs> it feels like there's there's nothing inventive about anything that they did on offense. It doesn't feel like they schemed around anything that was happening on defense. There sure as hell didn't feel like there was any sort of adjustments to anything that a defense was throwing at them. I you know, that lands that lands in the lap of the coaching staff. Uh, obviously, yes, you have to execute, and that roster is just poor. I mean, it, the roster is not good, but it's got to be better than that. And and I'm sorry, but Maryland is a very pedestrian team in the big scheme of things. Auburn should, even with the bad roster Auburn has, Auburn should be better than that. Auburn is definitely better than New Mexico State. And we have seen now two games. Now, Maryland is better than New Mexico State. I don't want to try to compare those two, but still Maryland is Maryland's not a world beater. They're just not. Uh, New Mexico State had a great season this year, but come on. I mean, that, it's New Mexico State. They're, they are not championship-caliber teams. And Auburn uh, made those teams look like superpowers against them. And, again, I, yes, I get it. The roster is bad, but even though the bad Auburn roster should be better than those two teams right there. And so you're, the execution obviously is not there. But, man, I mean, as a coaching staff, you've got to do a better job of game planning, you got to do a better job of adjusting. You got to do a better job of having these guys ready to go play. I mean, those are things that land fully in the laps of the coaches. And I'll now I will say this. Obviously, I'm I'm still on board with Hugh Freeze cuz you know, you've got to give him time to get some things built. But his time is limited. Uh, whether you want to agree with that or not or want to believe that or not, People are not going to sit and wait for a very, very long time. I think they're going to give him a little bit of time to get things straightened out. But if you go through another year like Auburn had this year where it feels like that the offense is just completely sputtering and not making any sort of like meaningful progress – then people are going to really start asking the big questions. Well, especially now that you're entering after this, after next Monday, you're in, you enter a period where the playoff is more attainable than ever. The, well, the playoff is more attainable, but you also consider the fact that Alabama is still not going to go anywhere. In fact, Alabama is probably going to be better next year than, than they were this year. You would think Georgia's not going anywhere. You got to still think LSU's on the up and up. And oh, by the way, Texas and Oklahoma are joining the fray now. Ole Miss is definitely on the up and up. I mean, Lane Kiffin's got them right on the cusp of doing something special. So you don't have time to sit there and wallow in mediocrity. You have to make those steps. And Yes, you've got to give you freeze some time to get the roster built up and things, but you have to start seeing the forward progress with it. You have to start seeing meaningful progress with it, or it's time to move on and bring somebody in that can start making that meaningful progress because it has to be made. You can't sit there and let the program fall further and further behind these programs that are starting to excel at the highest level are continuing to excel at the highest level and you're bringing Texas and Oklahoma in here as well, you you just don't have time to sit there and keep being mediocre and hoping that eventually you will make those strides because everybody else is already doing that. 
So, yes, Hugh Freeze is going to have time, I believe. I, I don't think they're going to just run him off after two years if, if things don't work out. They're going to try at least give him a little bit of time, but, you know, how much time? And, and, and obviously in today's football world, and especially at Auburn where you are expected to be a championship-caliber team, you're going to have some time, but you're not going to have forever. You, you're not going to have the sky's the limit to try to get this thing fixed. I mean, you you got to start getting this damn thing fixed pretty darn quick or go somewhere else and find find another way to get it done. We're going to go ahead and take our first break of the show today. When we come back, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will join us. He will have his thoughts on this Auburn football performance, where they go from here, and a little bit about Auburn basketball as they get set for another game against Penn inside of Neville Arena tonight. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call live on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here on this Tuesday edition of the program, the first program here of 2024, and we're glad that you are listening, however you may be listening, on here this January the 2nd. We're going to go to our orthopedic clinic phone line now where we welcome on Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for our first chat in 2024. Justin, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. Hope you had a happy new year. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are y'all? Doing very well. And of course, Auburn fans had a, a kind of a mixed New Year's. They had a, a, a two for one on December the 30th, one in Nashville, one in Auburn between football and basketball. We'll get to basketball in just a little bit, but we'll start with football. And Ferg, obviously, the first quarter punched in the mouth was Auburn trailing 21 nothing. Uh, just what kind of started to go wrong from the get go, and, and then what were the ways in which Auburn failed to fix it, I guess? Yeah, it really comes down to the fact that the defense, um, you know, struggled early on and kind of dug out, dug a hole that Auburn could get out of. Um, you know, Auburn this season when they've been able to play against quality opponents, um, they've been able to get off to good starts. You know, defenses had to carry them. This game had some new faces back there, missed tackles, missed opportunities, could have landed on a fumble. You know, gave up some big plays, guys moving around. They just got off to a really bad start on defense, and and, and this offense just. You know, simply put, against teams that were decent this season, uh, teams that you know finished with winning records, Auburn just couldn't really move the ball through the air against them and made them one-dimensional, made them really hard to uh, do anything with. And so Maryland took advantage of that, up 21 nothing. Defense played really well outside of the first quarter, and, and you know you say that and say, well, you know they got they put themselves in that position, um, you know, with the struggles they had in that first quarter. But really, I mean, Auburn's all, offense. The passing game in general, just you know, when Auburn beat teams this year, they were better through the air, and and you know they were not able to do that enough against quality competition this season, uh, and it really 
was kind of a fitting into this this year when you struggled to move the ball through the air, struggled to do much of anything on offense, um, you know, for the majority of the game. And um, you could find that with a slow start on defense. Uh, you were in trouble in a hurry, and, and Auburn just didn't have what it took to, to fight back. Justin, you, you talk about the offensive struggles, moving move the ball through the air. We, we've watched it all year, not the, the strength of this offense. The strength was kind of the running game, but the Auburn's leading rusher, Jarquez Hunter, only had 44 yards. The longest run of the day was a 10-yard run by Oscar Chapman on a fake punt. What was it that, uh, that you saw that Maryland was doing to kind of stymie that, that running attack? Yeah, they they were good up front. Um, this this Maryland defense was a was a pretty good defense throughout the year, even without their best linebacker. Um, they they had pretty much all their defensive front back uh, for this game intact, and and uh, you know they shot the gaps, they overplayed things, they tried to make Auburn one dimensional because they they didn't fear what Auburn could do through the air, and for good reason, they just couldn't get anything done, so they got to really load up against the run, stack the box. Uh, against him and go to work. I thought Auburn's offensive line did not play particularly well in this game either. I thought Maryland's line was just better. Um, you know, got off to a better start. And, and yeah, I mean, I think if if you can't throw the ball, it's going to be hard to run the ball. Um, and I think that was the big thing for Auburn in this game was that, you know, they didn't have enough of a threat to throw it to really open things up. And then when you do that and you're not executing as well up front, um, you're not going to be able to do much of anything. So the running game really, really got gummed up because of that. And Justin, with the quarterback situation, obviously this will continue to be uh, a big commentary throughout the season. And we heard some language before the game and in the, in the weeks leading up to it that uh, Peyton Thorne was going to be the guy and that sort of thing going in the 2024. Uh, just kind of remind us on maybe how strong or not strong that proclamation was, and then obviously update us after this game of what Coach Freeze had to say about quarterbacks. Yeah, it was pretty strong before the game. I mean, Auburn, you know, Auburn really wanted to build around Peyton Thorne and, and you know, say that hey, we can add some more talent and you can kind of turn him loose here next season, and that that'll be your that'll be your move. Um, obviously, this game was a really big struggle. And I think it comes down to the fact that against teams with a winning record this season, FBS teams with a winning record, Peyton Thorne was dead last in the SEC and, and passing efficiency outside of the top 100. Just Auburn just couldn't get it done through the air. And you don't want to blame that all on the quarterback, but he's a very big part of it for sure. And I think, you know, after the game, Freeze was asked about the quarterback position. He said, hey, it's wide open. You know, we got to reevaluate everything. And I think – there's this pressure. I mean, you know, you lost um, the way you did. You know, you've got to be better. And and look, um, you know, Auburn is is a team that is going to be happy about bringing in new talent at wide receiver and you know X, Y, and Z. But you know, I just uh, you know you, you you could see that Auburn's got to be they they've, they've, they've got to improve somehow. And and that's not to say you know Peyton Thorne has zero chance of being Auburn starter next season. But I, I do think uh, Auburn is not going to hand it to him for sure. And it looks like it's going to be opened up. Obviously, you know, yesterday there was this word that Auburn made a late push to try to get in Cam Ward's ear uh, to transfer. Ward decides to go to the NFL draft um, where he's going to be one of the top quarterbacks in this class. We'll see, you know, what happens there? Transfer quarterbacks, you know? Um, you know, what, what What does Auburn end up doing with the rest of it? K.J. Jefferson takes a spot. D.J. Uyungle takes, takes a spot. Who's left? Well, right before y'all called, I don't know if you saw this, but Caden Salter, Liberty's quarterback, 
enter the transfer portal or is expected to enter the transfer portal. This is, yeah, was one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the country this season. Obviously, Liberty was a phenomenal team this year. I know they got blown out by Oregon, but it's Oregon. Uh, and, you know, had a great, great season. He's probably going to enter the transfer portal. I would be stunned if Auburn was not going to be getting the mix with him. Guy who obviously played some for freeze uh, while he was at Liberty, really took off under Jamie Chadwell this year into one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the country. You know, that could be something where Auburn feels like they can knock on that door. So I do think it's going to be pretty wide open uh, here for Auburn moving forward. And I think, you know, they have at least reportedly got themselves into a position to, you know, go after a transfer portal quarterback again. And they just, they need to be better. And I think that's the thing where you could sit here and say with the quarterback room, hey, we add some talent around them. We get some more continuity. You could be better, sure. But when Auburn was as bad as they were throwing the ball this season against quality opponents, you, you know, you can reevaluate everything. And I think part of that is going to be the quarterback spot. Uh, Justin, switching to the other side of the football, you know, you, you talk about the, the defense kind of got punched in the mouth early, 21 points in the first quarter alone for Maryland. They, then they kind of adjusted things. You, you talked about you had some new guys back there, some younger guys in, in, the, in the defensive backfield. When you look at where this Tigers defense left off in 2023 after this bowl game going into 2024, what is your uh, outlook for, for how they're going to develop over the spring and summer? I thought this was a solid defense. I didn't think it was a great defense, but they got the job done more often than not. Um, you know, it's, it's a solid defense. And for a year one, um, they had some deficiencies up the line of scrimmage. Wasn't as thin, or they were thin up front. Um, you know, didn't have the pass rush that you'd kind of been used to in the past. Had to move some guys around in the secondary. You know, new way of playing linebacker. They did all right. Uh, I do think the second, third, and fourth quarter against Maryland showed that this team you know, can adjust. They respond well to adversity. They pull themselves out of the fire pretty well. That was kind of a theme throughout the season. Um, you know, they've got real potential. And I think if you keep adding talent to this to this defense, you can see where things are, are going. I thought Rod Roberts did a great job this year in game adjustments, doing things on the fly, calling some things, you know, scheming some things up, you know, turning Auburn loose in that area. Um, so I think this I think this defense has potential for the future. They've got to, you know, get better at the line of scrimmage. They've got to, um, you know, get, create more pressure. I think Jalen McLeod, a fully healthy year for him, could be good. You did get some big name guys on the defensive line in this recruiting class. Your linebacker group, your Jack group for the future, looks strong. You got a ton of youth in the secondary. That's pretty highly rated. So, I mean, you know, it's not perfect by any means, but I do think they have a lot of forward momentum. You know, going into 2024 might not be an elite defense might not be a complete shut you down kind of defense but I like the framework and I like how they kind of set the tone here in year one and I kind of feel the same way about the running game for the most part as well for Auburn you can see hey Auburn was you know on offense it was a little better you know run blocking this season um there were some tough games but there were also some games where they ran the ball really really well against some really good opponents um you've got some pieces back there I just think that the passing game, not to just immediately go back to it, I think it's just a big question mark. I mean, can you get better in that area? How much better can you get in that area? Because until you do that, I don't know how much of a contender you can be. But I do like the foundation on defense. They just have to build on it. Justin, uh, talking about the recruiting side of things with football just a little bit, uh, 
I'm sure you've seen all the videos that have been coming out from some of the practices going on, uh, the Under Armour practice, the All-American practices. But, uh, you know, for Auburn fans, kind of fill them on some of the stuff that you've seen with that. And is is this something that Auburn fans really need to pay attention to, some of these guys that are in these games? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson are, you know, like play right away type of talents. Um, And I think they're showing that in these games. Um, You know, you've got – Guys like Demarcus Riddick having really good practices. He he got to you know Demarcus Riddick, Joe Phillips, good number of those guys on defense went through bowl practices with Auburn, so they've got a head start, and they're playing a lot of football right now, and things like the Under Armour game and the you know the the U.S. Army game. Um, you know I, I think that's a I think that's a really good sign for them. You know it's it, it's exciting to still look at the future. It's a top ten recruiting class. Um, you know Auburn's back to kind of getting the dudes that they need long term um not all of them are guaranteed to be great successes and all that that's just how recruiting works but um this is a really good recruiting class um i I do think a lot of those guys have the ability to come in and play right away i think some of them as early enrollees you know have gotten that head start so yeah it's a good way to be optimistic because i mean the bottom line is this 2023 season for auburn was another rough year i mean you finished with another losing record you feel like you left a lot on the table this team should have been a lot better on you know and win losses this season than they were um you know or how they turned out and, and i mean he freeze said it you know after the game on saturday he's like oh, we should have been better i should have done better for this team so there's a lot of negatives in that aspect but you look at the recruiting and you look at um just kind of some of the off-field moves they make i think you know the addition uh you know of, of you know a number of uh, guys for this team, I think, could be really big, you know, right away. Um, I really like what they've got going on, uh, you know, just in the terms of the roster build. You just got to turn it into some on-field success. Um, and so I think recruiting was obviously going to be the lifeblood of this rebuild. Auburn did well in that area. They just got to get everything else to catch up, and and you know that's going to be that's going to be the real task at hand in 2024. You got to got to win more games. Got to got to give people some more stuff to buy into. Talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer today on Sports Call and Ferg, we turn our attention to basketball. Uh, another game in the non-conference tonight against Penn after a very successful weekend game against Chattanooga. And, of course, this coming weekend on Saturday, Auburn opens SEC play at a very tough place to play at Fayetteville at Bud Walton Arena. So take us through this week of Auburn basketball. Yeah, the game tonight against Penn is going to be really interesting. I think Penn lines up very similarly to the Chattanooga team that Auburn blew out on Saturday night. Penn's a better three-point shooting team in terms of you know, efficiency. They don't shoot quite as many as Chattanooga did, but they're really good when they do hit them. Got a lot of good shooters on that team. They will test Auburn on that area on, on the defense. But for Auburn, it's just, hey, take care of business. Keep playing your style of basketball and keep that momentum going. You go to Arkansas on Saturday. Arkansas is kind of being Arkansas this year where they get off to a little bit of slower start and not quite as impressive as you thought they would be early on. Auburn may be able to try to, hey, pick them off early, uh, take advantage of the fact you get Arkansas before they really, really get going. Uh, but, you know, Bud Walton's a really tough place to play. Auburn has had very little success uh, there historically. Um, so it, it'll be a great opportunity. I think this basketball team is in a great spot right now, playing with a lot of momentum, uh, playing their brand of basketball. And, uh, they, you know, Bruce Pearl said it yesterday. He's like, this is a great time to be playing like this right before you head into SEC play. It's going to be a grind. It's going to be a gauntlet. Auburn's going to lose games, obviously, moving forward. But, um, they're pretty hot right now, and they're going to want to keep that up tonight against Penn. He's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us today on Sports Call. Ferg, what do you have going on with the Observer as we start the new year? 
Yeah, you can check out my story today on uh, Jalen Williams. And just, you know, Jalen Williams has been on a tear here recently, averaging nearly 18 points a game and, you know, not missing any shots hardly. Um, he's had back-to-back games where he hadn't missed a two-point field goal attempt, and he's shooting really well from deep as well. And so my story today is just why. Why is this happening now? And there's some pretty interesting insight there from from uh, Bruce Perlow and, and some guys on Auburn's team about why Jalen Williams is playing like this right now. So you can check that out at The Observer. We've got the roster tracker rolling. We've got plenty of stuff going on uh, here in the uh, in the days ahead. So uh, go to auburnobserver.com, sign up there, $6 a month or $60 a year, uh, podcasts and newsletters covering Auburn football and men's basketball. And, uh, you know, nothing's going to slow down on the football side. And we're just about to get really cranked up in basketball season. So check it out. Absolutely. It's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer with us today on Sports Call. Again, as always, Justin, we certainly appreciate the time, and we look forward to talking again next week. Yeah, appreciate you guys. That is Justin Ferguson joining us today on Sports Call. Again, busy time of Auburn Athletics still as the football season concludes. Uh, still a lot of roster updates. And then basketball, getting into the two times a week part of the schedule, getting in the SEC play this weekend. We're going to take one final time out here in the 3 o'clock hour, back to wrap up the first hour and get going with the next couple of hours just after this. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi my name is what my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 Borgard basketball is back on the hardwood, and we have you covered all season long on Tiger 95.9. This is Tim Sin, voice of the Borgard Hornets, inviting you to join us for select games of Hornet basketball all season long. The Hornets are looking to get back into the postseason hunt, and you can come along for the ride. Check out our website, thetiger.fm, for a list of upcoming broadcasts. It's Hornets on the hardwood, only on Tiger 95.9. Brought to you locally by Auburn Bank, Kenny Knox Tire Center, May Refrigeration, and Lifesavers Mission Thrift Store, The Orthopedic Clinic, Southeastern Land Group, Borgard Drugs, Coca-Cola, and Chevron with Techron. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here. Making some plans for a wacky Wednesday in the next few weeks. Yeah. Uh, not tomorrow, but uh, sometime in the next few weeks. We're going uh, get, to get back to some of this. Town Name Tuesday, Town, I was about to say, Wednesday. Yes, Town Name Tuesday. Uh, those will be returning. We'll hopefully be debuting some new stuff in the new year as well. This is a good time to remind you, too, that we do have the Sports Call survey available still to be taken online. Uh, it's again on, available on all of our social medias, including the Tiger.fm website. 
If you go to at Sports Call AU on Twitter or on X, whichever you prefer, uh, and then Facebook, Instagram, Sports Call Auburn, the links are there. And we would love to hear from you. Again, we want to continue to make the show better in 2024. It's a brief survey. It takes less than five minutes. There are nine total questions. The ninth is optional. The other eight are multiple choice. So, again, it takes just a couple of minutes of your time. And, again, that couple of minutes could greatly impact the way we do our show and uh, so we certainly appreciate any and all feedback. Uh, and that sh- survey will be open for just a couple more weeks. We really want you uh, to be a part and make your uh, opinion heard there. Just a couple minutes left in this hour. We will get to some phone calls starting in the 4 o'clock hour on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Uh, in these last couple minutes, again, appreciate Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us. Again, basketball coming up tonight against uh, Inside Neville Arena. Uh, kind of symmetrical the way the season ends sometimes in football when you play these bowl games right before the new year that says goodbye to the end of the season. Then you have basketball right around the corner. Uh, and certainly after Auburn football's performance, again, ready to flush 2023 away and start making strides in 2024. Uh, again, you guys went into pretty good detail about it in the first segment, and I think there was a lot of great points made. And it's all about, for me, balancing what's fair and what should be seen at this point in the process. Because as Tom said, uh, look, six and, well, we all know, six and six, six and seven, seven and six, whatever. Six and six in the regular season, not one cut at Auburn University, not for very long, really not at all. Uh, but also, where did you come from? Where are you going? But where are you coming from these last year or two? Uh, what is the roster repair process like? Uh, certainly frustrating from a, a number of things offensively because I think everyone agree, look, there are still different ways to skin a 6-6 six and six, uh, or a 7-5 and five or whatever. And if this team had been offensively really good, but just really porous defensively. I think that maybe even that would be more palatable from an offensive-minded head coach, but we have all these questions with the offense year one. Now, again, it's tough to balance them because the wide receiver room was probably as bad as any wide receiver room in the SEC, and yes, including Vanderbilt, who had a very competent Will Shepard who was very Mm -hmm. coveted in the portal. So the receiver room was literally as bad as anyone in the SEC. Offensive line was pretty good it had already improved it had been the one of the weak points of the team for years it was it was better but it was not rock solid yeah. running backs were pretty good but quarterback play was obviously terrible uh all year long and so it's it's tough i guess to make too many overarching conclusions out of this year because of uh, just how many question marks there were but obviously with quarterback play <coughs> That's the point that we're all going to focus on all season long because even with the other issues, there's still ways to get through them better than the way Auburn got through them, particularly towards the uh, – really all year long, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, when you end the season the way that you did, it, I think – that, and that's what bothers me and I, it's what bothers so many Auburn fans is that when, when, you're, when you're building a Ross, when you're – building your team back from from where it was you want to see that 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 progressive betterness as you get towards the end of the year by the time you got to the new mexico state game there should have been some very marked improvements in wide receiver marked improvements in quarterback play marked improvements in game planning marked improvements of effort marked improvements of execution 
And you get to the New Mexico State game there late in the season, and it's an epic disaster still. And he's like, why is it still a disaster this late in the season? That's what bothers me. And then, yes, things got better against Alabama, but I'm convinced that there is like some weird magical thing that happens in Jordan-Hare Stadium and Iron Bowls that you just can't explain. But even then, the offense wasn't that great against Alabama. They were okay. You know, the defense was really good. But uh, but then you turn around in the bowl game and you just lay another egg. And and I that's what just yeah, – that bothers me so bad is that you just didn't feel like there was any sort of marked progress. Like – there's nothing that you could look at about anything that happened on offense this year that you can take towards the next year and go, you know what, that gave me some really positive vibes that we're moving in the right direction. Because if anything, it feels like you moved in the opposite direction after New Mexico State in the bowl game. It feels like you almost got to start all over again on offense, and that's not what you want to have happen when you're trying to rebuild a program. We are out of time for our number one. Good points there, Tom PV, And we are, again, out of time. We will start with some phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line to open up our number two. Again, if you want to give us a call, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Sports call returns after this end of our timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this first show of 2024. As again, we go through all the different... Uh, football things from this past few days Uh, we've been talking about auburn and maryland in the music city bowl still to come a little bit later our thoughts on the playoff as that was a a great day of semifinal games yesterday the other bowl games notwithstanding they happened to lsu wisconsin was good but the uh, tennessee iowa and oregon liberty games left something to be desired but that's okay because the two most important games were were something else so we'll get to those in just a little bit. Auburn's offense was bad, but I don't know that it was Iowa bad. Nothing is. Absolutely <laughs> nothing is. Good. They they cheered the backup quarterback uh, a lot when they put him in, and he got like two scrambling first downs, and you should have heard the cheers. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was just – and then they didn't end up scoring or doing anything else, but they got a couple first downs with him scrambling, <laughs> and it was a sight for very sore eyes, just Lord. even that. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. 
We go there for the first time here in hour number two. Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today? Happy New Year. Hey, gentlemen. Happy New Year to all of you. And I'm so happy that uh, all the football season is finally over. <laughs> I think a lot of people are. Thank goodness. And I was also relieved to see uh, nothing about any of you guys having to make bail uh, from the Oklahoma Auburn newspapers. So uh, I was glad to see that uh, too. So yeah. You guys did well. Yeah, well, I can't. I mean, Brooks was not even here, so maybe he had to post bail somewhere else that we don't know mm. about. But uh, me and Tom stayed out of trouble. Yeah, I was too okay. busy. I was too busy working to get in trouble. No comment. <laughs> no comment. Okay. All right. Well, guys, let's go ahead and let's get to it. You know, uh, I am going to quit this Monday's resolution, making predictions about all the football games. Uh, you know, as, as you know, Friday, guys, I, I thought I was going to have a relaxing. Uh, sports weekend uh, with Auburn, right? That's what you said, yep. Yep, well, it was relaxing, a little bit more relaxing Saturday night, thankfully. Uh, but I was in football hell in that first quarter. Yeah, and I, was, I heard, go ahead. Genuinely one of the worst quarters. I mean, Auburn's had some bad quarters, but genuinely one of the worst quarters they played all year, if not the worst. Well, for, for a moment there, I turned to my daughter and said, are we playing New Mexico State again? Yeah. And she just looked at it, you know. And I heard, you know, Justin Ferguson's comments, uh, observations, and he said, you know, the defense, well, hold on, I'd say to Mr. Ferguson, you know, the defense first. Well, and like and I heard Coach Freeze, I, I listened to his postgame conference, you know, you can't play just three uh, quarters on defense or on offense really good. Uh, you got to play all four quarters. And, you know, we had so many opportunities that it, it it could not it didn't have to be twenty one to nothing, right, guys? What about uh, the, the the fumble? But we couldn't get a hold of it. Gee, Mane, you know. And then uh, uh, punt returns. Uh, you know, but to me, it was over. The game was over when it was twenty one to nothing. You guys think differently? I mean, I, I think college football mandates that you can't think that way. But yeah, I mean, the way Auburn's offense has has been this year, it was certainly going to be. Uh, a big challenge to come back from any sizable deficit, and obviously they didn't even up uh, scoring 21 points, so that they wouldn't have mattered if they shut them out the rest of the game. I would say about the defense, though, that uh, clearly they came out, and I, I'd heard Ron Roberts speak about the challenges of preparing for a completely different quarterback than than what Maryland had done for the last three or four years, four or five years of their program. And you could tell that Auburn really had no idea what was going on for the first three possessions of the game. And the the, the inability to fall in that fumble was a big deal. Uh, they, they dropped an interception there at the end of the second quarter, which would have prevented a field goal. Uh, but I thought that after that first quarter, I mean, they it, it was not that they – uh, you know, just did a little bit better. I mean, they kind of stuffed them after the first quarter. I mean, but it they, didn't matter. It didn't matter anymore. Well, okay, but it did because there was still three the more quarters. Over, Ryan. The game was Come not on, over. The game was over. The Wait. game is not over after one quarter of football, Steve. Okay. The, the, defense, the defense still gave Auburn the opportunity to get back in that game and potentially take the lead. Just the offense is terrible. Guys, I respectfully disagree. When it was twenty-one nothing, then I knew. Our offense, when we went three and out, three and out, uh, and then the abysmal running, uh, which I, I need you guys to explain that to me. You know, there was no way we were going to uh, come back on it. There was no way that we were going to get 21 points, even uh, tied up. It was 24 to 7. Uh, I, I just knew there was no way. Why? 
because uh, you guys, please help me understand this. How do you play the way you play? Now, I heard your comments about that you didn't hear the magic. We get the magic, okay? We ran for 247 damn yards against not Maryland's defense, but Alabama's defense. And we couldn't get not even 100 yards against Maryland's defense. Right, guys? Yeah. How, how does that make any sense? Yeah, uh, look, I, I'm not focused on this part of it yet. I know everyone is focused on the quarterback part of it. But, yeah, I thought that was uh, – actually, in my view, that was equally uh, – maybe even more disappointing, the passing game. We provided reasons uh, this past week why there was really no reason it would look awesome. I mean, it still had the right to look better than it did. But uh, there was a lot of ingredients there to say that this was not going to be a, a plan to pass. Well, when you get down, often you do pass more. Even still, uh, I mean, they, I think I think I totaled it up. I think it was 25 carries for 71 yards, I believe, uh, was the total for Hunter, Austin, and, and, and Cobb combined, 25 for 71. So uh, they did a very poor job there running the ball, no, no doubt about that. And uh, I found that there were a lot of situations where they were would have one-on-ones. They either get to the edge and have uh, one guy to beat, or they uh, go in the hole on the left side or whatever and have a opportunity to make somebody miss. And they they couldn't. That uh, they sometimes they got pushed back, but sometimes they had opportunities that they could just make one guy miss or break one tackle. They could get a substantial run, and they didn't. Their longest run from a running back was eight yards. So uh, every way you slice it, they ran the ball incredibly poorly, and I thought that was very disappointing and. Uh, you know, that, again, disappointing from the terms of when Tom was talking at the end of the first hour. If you could find anything to feel good about heading into year two, you would probably said coming into this game, you say running the football because they ran it well in Alabama. Jarquez Hunter had a really good second half of the year, uh, but but certainly leaving this game, they, they again they did nothing well offensively in this game. And you know, I heard the comments from the coaches. But no one has yet said to me, uh, give me a plausible explanation, is how could you amass 247 yards against Alabama's defense, but you couldn't do it against Maryland's defense? And Alabama was not ignorant about that we were deficient on passing, uh, just as, you know, Tom, you said, and I think uh, Ferguson said the same thing. They knew, you know, there was no threat. Well, Alabama knew that too. But how do you explain that we couldn't get the line to push – their defense to, to where we were getting less than 100 yards the entire game, guys. What is a plausible explanation for that? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I mean, again, just played poorly. I mean, that I know you don't like to accept answers like that. You you want some sort of analytical, numerical answer to that, but the reality I is mean, they players, played poorly. Say, well, but, but why did they play poorly? It's not like they were against, against some, some kind of, you know, um, uh, unbelievable defense on Maryland's side. They don't match up in talent compared to Alabama's, right, guys? Well, yeah, but but look, when you can't throw the ball successfully, and that means the other defense is going to know what's coming, and that's always going to put yourself in a bind in terms of you're going to have boxes that say you should throw, but you're going to run anyway, or you're going to have defensive linemen that are pinning their ears back. They're not worried about anything. You're going to have linebackers blitzing hard, and that's always going to make it more difficult, and you can say absolutely that Alabama should have done some of that. The, the reality is they played some different packages that are not as good at run stopping, and that's they still did that even against uh, Auburn. I think Alabama ranked in the 30s this year in rush defense, which was very uncharacteristic of them. And so Auburn really used some momentum, used some energy, and really 
played an elite uh, game in, in terms of run blocking in that one. This game, they never got any momentum. They never had any reason for Maryland to respect their passing game. And so they were always dealing with the with the tough boxes. I mean, they were dealing with uh, a team that, again, just knew that whenever they were going to run, they were going to go downhill and, and, and not be fearful. So, uh, again, it was Auburn did itself no favors by not being able to throw the ball. Uh, and they made it easier for Maryland that way. And if you're Maryland, you're not going to respect Auburn's passing game, and you're going to make them beat you in the air, and you're not going to let them run all over you. So Maryland did a really good job of that. Auburn was not able to uh, get the get the mean streak going, get the momentum going downhill, didn't make any big run plays, and uh, just stuck in the mud all day. Okay, so guys, I, I'm, I'm going to continue some thoughtful uh, observations of you because I've lost uh, any observation for, for what I saw. Uh, Saturday, I heard, unfortunately, and then I read it again, the comments made by Coach Freeze about uh, the game plan in which he said, and I think, Tommy, you alluded to it earlier, he said that he was much more involved in the recruiting process during the preparation for the bowl game and not in the play calling. Okay, um, hold on, Coach. You know, and I'd say to him right now, Coach, I thought your contract included not only recruiting, but coaching as well. And if you are the one who's in charge of everything, you're the leader, then we trust your judgment to have the people who will be in charge of taking care of things when you're not in the in the house, so to speak, you know. Uh, like in, in my job when I was retired, but before I retired, you know, I was left in charge because I was trusted to make the same kind of judgments or good judgments as a person who left me in charge while they were not at my employment. That didn't happen Saturday. So uh, he apparently was throwing underneath the bus Philip Montgomery, right? And maybe Ron Roberts? I don't know. Tell me, guys. I, I mean, if he was uh, – I don't think he'd have been throwing Ron Roberts under the bus, but, I mean, I, 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 I don't know that Hugh Freeze is sold on Philip Montgomery. I don't know that for a fact. But, I mean, if he's throwing anybody under the bus, he's throwing Montgomery, Philip Montgomery. I he has no room to throw Ron Roberts under the bus. I mean, the defense and the play of the defense is what kept this season from being a, a complete abject failure. I mean, well, it was I already agree, bad Tom. enough. I, I but, agree, Tom. But, again, I, hold, I want to hold Ron Roberts accountable for that first uh, football hell quarter that they allowed. Remember that guy that ran for no damn reason? And gashed our our defense and just ran yeah. for a touchdown. No, I get it. I I, I get Did it. You see so, the I, tackling that wasn't there. I see. I I get it. I saw that. But the this thing, is the end of the year, not the first beginning of Steve, the season. See, Steve. I I get it. Sometimes teams get punched in the mouth like that. Whatever their game plan was, whatever they had set that they thought was going to work there to start the game doesn't work. But guess what? You do. You make adjustments, and the rest of the time. Auburn, Auburn, Auburn. Well, no, but, made adjustments, man. Well, the defense made adjustments. The defense made their adjustments, and they shut Maryland down the rest of the way. Unfortunately, the offense has not been able to figure that out. And whether that's talent, whether even the adjustments don't work, or they just don't make adjustments, I don't know. But with Ron Roberts in that defense, what was what they had set out that they were going to do was not working. It was an absolute disaster, and it got them behind. But they made adjustments. And the adjustments worked. And we have seen Ron Roberts do that all season long. If something's not working, they fix it. And it fixes. They they they're great at making adjustments on that on the defensive side of things. So 
I applaud Ron Roberts for that. Yes, it's uh, it's sti- it stinks that you went down twenty-one to nothing, but you fixed it. You didn't just keep doing the same too thing. Too late. Well, that's because your offense stinks. Okay, so let me move on to some comments that really uh, caught my attention. I said, "Wow, what the heck does that mean?" One of them came from Hugh Freeze again during the post-game conference. Uh, um, is a tele- uh, post uh, press conference, and he said, "What? There's a disease of me." on this team. I said, uh-oh. And then that was followed up by comments made by who? Mr. Fairweather, saying there's too many loose leashes on this team. What do you make of those comments, guys? Uh, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, there's definitely some comments out there that leave some concern that maybe there's some some things that, you know, players that are not happy with, you know, it's a lot of finger pointing and things like that, but a disease is me, and too many loose leashes. Well, this was the end huh? of the season, guys. You hadn't recognized that before now? Well, yeah, you know, I, I whatever whatever the L's are, whether it be loose leashes or whether it be coaching or what, it's got to get fixed. And, I mean, if there's loose leashes, then you got to cut it. And uh, I think I, I think um, – I think Kildrick Falk made some comments, if I'm not mistaken. I think Kildrick Falk had a couple post-game comments about, um, you know, having to, like, you know, cut. It wasn't cut the fat, but, uh, you know, there was just definitely some things being said by players and coaches that, that kind of point in the direction of there's not a lot of really good continuity with just everything that's going on and that changes are going to have to be made. And obviously changes are going to have to be made if you want to have success because what happened this year was not good. And Free said um, in the post-game uh, uh, speech that uh, he wanted the team uh, leadership. He wanted uh, the team to be in charge of things. I said, okay, well, let's see if some team leaders uh, are going to pop up. Uh, they should have already. And then Asante was asked, uh, well, he was one of the players that uh, Andy Burcham talked with about uh, the defense and well, what happened there. And he said that they played lackadaisically. I said, whoa. Well, then how about a follow-up question, Andy? Why was that? Well, he didn't do that, of course. But he said they played lackadaisically. Okay, which brings me to another question, because this happened on game day uh, from Kirk Street and some of the other, I think, um, Desmond Howard, about, hey, do we need to have bowl games any longer because of what? Of all the people opting out, and they're talking about the non-playoff bowl games. Or do we need to do something different? And this is one time I might actually agree with Curry Smart. We do something. We need to make some changes about NIL and about when recruits uh, can be signing uh, or the transfer portal. Uh, guys, I think something needs to be changed. You know, uh, of course, my idea would be, okay, since we're stuck with NIL, how about this? But it has to be agreed upon by all the programs or else it won't work. Your NIL deal includes you cannot opt out of a bowl game, whether it's a non-playoff bowl game or not. But in order for that to actually work, then everybody has to agree to it, right? Because if the other universities say, no, we don't care what Auburn is doing, our NIL deal is different, we'll let you opt out. Because if you're going to opt out, then you get what? You get what FSU fans had to put up with, 63-3. to well, Steve, the thing is, uh, you can't force a kid to play. I, I mean, and I can say, "Hey, we're gonna give you money, but this is what you have to buy, by, or else you don't get our money." 
Well, and, and the thing is, I don't know how that money, it, you know, if they've already been getting the money or if they withhold the money until the end of the season and then you don't get a cut of that money, maybe that's something you do. But, you know, you could do it that way. But, I mean, you can't sit there and force a kid to play. I mean, if they if they don't want to play in the bowl game, then you can't force that. And, you know, with as much – they don't get a scholarship then. Well, they've already had their scholarship. I mean, okay, if they 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 because okay. well, Steve, by the time by the time they get there, they if they're a lot of these kids. I mean, especially if they're looking at going pro, a lot of them have already graduated. So, I mean, the scholarship is already done. Or if they're wanting to, they're they're with they're they're opting out because they're trying to protect themselves so that they can go pro. So they're not really worried about the scholarship at that point. They're they're ready to go pro. So you're not withholding the scholarship. Now, yeah, okay, you could withhold some NIL money, but uh, I think then you're going to open yourself up to lawsuits and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, but the simple fact is throughout the season, the name, image, and likeness, they've already been using your name, image, and likeness. You can't then just go, no, nope, we're not going to pay you because you didn't play in the Tostitos Cheez-It Pop-Tart Bowl or whatever. I, then you're going to get sued because, like, listen, man, I – you used my name, image, and likeness all season, and because I didn't want to go play in the pool and weed eater uh, boiled egg bowl, that you're not going to give me my money. Uh, I mean, that's that's crazy. Well, if, if you don't want the mayo, you know, bowl and mayonnaise thrown on, you're okay. But what I'm saying, is, so what? What's a what's a plausible solution to, to this kind of crap happening? Because nothing's going to stop it. I mean, you're going to get the FSU uh, debacle. Who wants to see a 63 to three score? The first step in some of this, Steve, is that to change the college football calendar to allow for a portal window that is not either already open before the start of bowl season or at least extends well beyond the end of bowl season. That's that's truly what we're looking with. We're, there's not going to be enough players for the most part on one team. There might be a couple teams, but there's not going to be enough teams that have so many pros that they're all going to leave – off of these eight and four teams, you know, I mean, there's, it's not very happened. So what's going on here is there's a lot of portal guys, these, these fringe starters, these second string guys, a few starters on smaller schools, wanting to go to big schools and that sort of thing. Those are where the real numbers are, are going out. And, and, and some of these guys often out that are out of eligibility and all that, that that's, that, that's a lot of portal related things there. And I think that if you move the calendar, uh, you would see a whole different situation. If you just simply open the portal after these bowl games, uh, I think that would alleviate some of it. It would not alleviate all of it, but I think that would start. Well, do you think that could be done pretty quickly? Because it has to be done by uh, the, a board, right, in the NCAA? I think nothing with the NCAA is quick. Uh, I think in a perfect world, you could. You could implement it, uh, if not next year, the year after. But, uh, again, everyone's got to agree and that and that uh, organization, and that's rare. And there's still some that believe that there's going to be some sort of separation in college football from the NCAA. And if that well, ever happened, that that would instigate different rules for sure. Maybe so. Okay. And then there's some people who decided they owe it to their teammates to go ahead and play with them like they did for the rest of the season. That's Bo Nix. I'm, I'm I'm proud of what he did, and that he decided to stay. And I'm also proud that he got this. Chris, uh, gentlemen, uh, did you know this for Mr. Bo Nix? Completion percentage yep, for the, the year. Yep. Accurate season ever, ever by a college quarterback for a season. That yep. percentage, 
Yep. But he couldn't do it at Auburn, could he, guys? Yeah, it didn't work out that way. No, couldn't do it there. And how about this town today? Speaking of quarterbacks, passing yards at bowl game. I just saw this. Hank Brown, guys, 132 yards. Yeah, Mr. Milrow, 116. Now, granted, Milrow was playing playing play a different uh, caliber of uh, talent, right? And so was Hank Brown. But I saw some passes by Hank Brown, there, especially that 53 yard uh, touch he threw. That to me, I hadn't seen uh, from even uh, Peyton Thorne. But guys, I'm saying, where's Hank Brown been all season? You know, why was, was why wouldn't he the backup quarterback instead of a uh, holding Gurner? Because Gurner didn't do anything. Uh, to sound me? Well, I mean, by the time Hank Brown came in, Maryland was playing as many guys as they could possibly get on the field. And so, I mean, Hank, that that was basically, that had turned into the equivalent of an A-Day game. Okay. I, I mean. But wasn't that a heck of a. Play? Yeah, it was a great throw. throw. Hey, throw? great throw. Congratulations, Hank Brown. You made a great throw against Maryland's walk-ons and ball boy and, you know, yeah. Hey, I mean, he made a great throw, but Maryland didn't have their guy. Maryland had emptied the bench by that time. Hank Brown made a great throw. I, I like it. Looked good. But that was not against the same defense that Peyton Thorne was trying to throw against. I, I mean, I understand that. Yeah, yeah, that was clean-up clean time. The game was in hand. And, hey, yeah, it was a great throw. But there, there's a reason Hank Brown has been sitting third string behind uh, right, technically fourth string, but you know you got to think he's been fourth string behind uh, between but uh, Thorne, Ashford, and Gurner. There's a reason for that, and yeah, but hey, great made it made it made an awesome looking throw, but okay, okay, yeah. fair enough, guys. Well, to have just another quick moment to go La- to the NFL real quickly, real quickly. Yeah, last thing, Steve. I feel badly for your Tampa Bay Bucks. I didn't think they were going to get beaten and beaten that, that badly uh, at home. So now they've got to contend with a a woeful Carolina Panthers team. And I saw the line. You're only favored by five and a half points right now. I said, wow. Now you're playing in that Carolina? Yes. Okay. Uh, did you happen to see what the Carolina Panthers uh, owner did? Yes, I game? did. Yeah, I threw a drink on Jaguars fans. <laughs> yeah. Now it says here, from what I read from Bleacher Report, that uh, the NFL is investigating. What are they investigating, guys? Uh, they're investigating yeah. the fact that he threw a drink on yeah. Jaguars fans. I mean, you can't deny it. It's on video. <laughs> well, yeah, you can't do that, especially if you're and in a prom- if you're in a person of prominence like that. You you got to control yourself. I mean, I don't know what the NFL is going to be able to do to him. They'll come up with some punishment, but yeah, they might tell him to not to attend the last game or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, okay. So Ryan, now uh, I'm pulling for your bucks, but this is do or die. You've got to win this last game, correct? Yes, very much so. Have to win. Have to win. Have to win. Okay. Now, the Falcons lost, so they're out of it, right? Nope. Uh, if the nope. if the Bucks lose, the Saints-Falcons winner wins the division. If the Bucks lose, the Saints-Falcon winner gets, it gets in? Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that division is terrible. <laughs> Tampa should never be in this position. Uh, well, I mean, uh, neither neither should the Falcons, and neither should the Saints, and neither should the the Panthers. I mean, they that that that's that's a th- that whole thing. And I think we always we knew from the get go. We talked about it preseason that 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 particular NFC South was it's that was just going to kind of be a who stinks the least, and that's pretty much what you've gotten. Yeah, 
And speaking, speaking real quickly, the officials uh, with the Dallas Cowboys game, you know what I'm talking about, right? The two-point conversion was, that was uh, taken away. That was, that was atrocious. The guy goes up, because I saw the video, and uh, he goes up to him and he's telling him, but the officials afterwards, when they, they were asked, you know, what happened, they said that he didn't report. Well, I said, wait a minute. I saw him go up to the officials. Did he just say, how y'all doing, guys? As one of the, one of the, it was one of the, honestly, one of the worst calls that you will ever see in any sort of a sporting event. They, the, the officials screwed the pooch on that one about as bad as you could possibly imagine screwing up a call, and it cost the Lions a game. Uh, yeah, unbelievable. But yeah, that was bad. That that was that was about as bad, 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 bad call as you could possibly imagine. But it doesn't have some officials. All right, tonight's line, guys, twenty one and a half. Yeah, you got it. It's lock. It's a lock. Uh, nothing's a lock at sports, and nothing's I don't bet. But uh, I know. I but know. they're definitely capable of beating Penn by that many and more. Okay, you you guys going to the game? I will be covering the game. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, uh, shall, uh, I hope you'll yell a few profanities for me or, or something. You know. I will not do uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> you will I will, not, not, do I will not do that. Okay. Then uh, at least say some uh, War Eagle stuff for me. Then. Uh, again, I got to be professional, but I'll do that under my breath. Uh, under your breath. Then. All right, guys. Hey, thank you for letting me ramble, and uh, I feel so much better that you guys are back again. It's a new year, and thank gosh we've got a football uh, program that uh, I don't have to worry about until uh, month. Maybe uh, September. Uh, but we do have basketball school, right? Yes, so that's sir. something to look for. All right, guys, have a safe afternoon. And uh, we'll do this again tomorrow. And I'll be hopefully uh, a lot more saner and sober. Warrior, guys. Warrior, Steve, appreciate that phone call. That is retired Ward MC joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. September? Steve's going to be freaking out in April after oh. the A Day game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I Steve's going to have to yeah. have his heart pills for A Day. <laughs> The, but uh, there's no real bearing until I November. Know, but, but yeah, I we know. we know better. Yeah, I know. I'm just I'm just following what he said. That's all I'm doing. Steve, you know better than that. <laughs> You're gonna freak out in April at a day game. Uh, we're gonna head to our next break here of the show. When we come back, we'll shift gears a little bit. There were two great national semifinal games yesterday to talk about. We'll talk about the playoffs right after this. To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here 
on this Tuesday edition of the program, show number one of 2024. I believe we're already halfway through the show. Full slate of shows the rest of this week. Next week, we will have one or two shortened shows. We'll tell you about that a little bit later in the week. Again, a reminder that Borgard High School basketball airs right here in Tiger 95.9, girls and boys. And so that will give us a few shortened shows uh, throughout the month of January and a little bit into February. And then we'll have baseball and softball season. So then we'll have uh, some, some Borgard stuff here on 95.9 and over on FM Talk 93.9 throughout here uh, the winter and spring. Of course, Smith Station Athletics can be heard right there. All right, so yesterday, the final version of the four-team playoff commenced with the semifinal round. Uh, Rose Bowl between Alabama and Michigan. Sugar Bowl between Texas and Washington. And uh, those both those games were very, very fun football games. Guys, I assume we want to start with Alabama-Michigan. Yes. All right, so in the Rose Bowl. I want to say one thing. Yeah. Because I, I, I want to start this up because it was the main thing, and so many Alabama fans and people have talked about the final play in overtime. Okay. People have said, what a stupid play call, blah, 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 blah. It's actually not a bad play call at all, if you really look at it. Motion to the left takes the Mike linebacker to the left and yep. empties out the middle of the field. It's there for the taking for Milrow. I, it was a really good play call to to pull the Mike linebacker out of the middle to give that open box for him to run through. Alabama just got beat at the line of scrimmage. That's plain and simple. They, Michigan blew them up at the line and stuffed Milrow. But don't sit there and say it was a terrible play call. It was actually a pretty darn good play call to for what they were trying to do. You kind of – uh, you you don't you, at that point you you don't make Milrow try to do a whole lot. It's like put the ball in his hands, go win, you know. And we're gonna move we're gonna move the middle of the field and open it up for you to be able to find you a gap and get to the end zone untouched. But unfortunately, Michigan blew it up at the line of scrimmage. So I wanted to get that out of the way first because, like I said, there's so many people that are poo pooing the the play call there at the end of the game. I, I thought it was a decent play call. It just it didn't get executed because of the line of scrimmage. No, I think so that's, I think that's fair. Uh, I, I saw a lot of people, or at least a portion of people, mention they thought that it was an RPO because they mentioned the swinging running back, the two receivers blocking out there. But when you listen to what Nick Saban said after the fact, I'm pretty sure that was just eye candy because it even was. even when you do QB runs and especially draws, but anything like that. There's something else going on to distract you from the fact that the quarterback is trying to run. Mm -hmm. And I think Saban labeled it a draw. And so it makes sense that you're going to make it look like it might be a quick bubble screen out to the running back or a swing screen because that's why you want the linebacker to follow him out there. You want right. one less person to occupy the box. Obviously, those two receivers are going to have two DBs lined up out there. Yep. And so you're trying to remove – you're trying to make it a more 1v1 – with all your blocking assignments, and you're trying to get people out of there. So when you knew you wanted to run the quarterback more than you wanted to run McClellan or or Haynes or whoever was in the backfield on that play, then you're, you're, that running back's not going to help you out. It's just going to cause one more person to be in the box. Right. And you're not going to put the running back in front of the quarterback because then you're giving away that you're either running or playing. Mm -hmm. you know, Miller was going to have the ball one way or the other. So uh, 
I thought again. I did not. Th- I, I'm with you. I did not think it was a, a, a necessarily a bad play call, and I also did not think it was an RPI. I think that was a design run. It was a, again, it was a draw. N- Nick Saban yeah. said after the press conference that uh, they had a look on the first time. Michigan saw that it was a good look for Alabama. Call timeout. The second look, Alabama didn't like, so they called timeout. And then the third look, they said, "Well, this is the three yard line." We had some two-point plays in for the week, which included a quarterback run. That's what Tommy Reese wanted to go with. We went with it, and it, we didn't execute it. And that's and that's kind of the way it was. As you said, the the edge, I think, or the end for Michigan, shoved the right guard, Latham maybe, J.C. Latham, right. shoved him two yards in the backfield. Mm-hmm. The corner had kind of gone free to blitz. The only way that Milrow was going to be able to get through there is if that edge had been sealed to where Milrow can kind of go forward and then cut left. Right. But he did not have any opportunity to even try to cut because of how far the right side of the line got pushed back in right. that play. Yeah, but, uh, pull, uh, with the running back motion pulling the Mike linebacker, it, it opens up the box. Really what you were trying to get, and yeah, that edge got destroyed. But, I mean, really right there in the middle, I, also a bad snap. Yeah, um, yeah. That, uh, and that's a very important part of this, too. A, a bad snap down at, his, at, at his – Yes. Yeah. Uh, a snap at his ankles – uh, and so he was not able to get a good clean snap to get momentum. He had to reach down to get it, and so now that's obviously thrown off any sort of momentum. So bad snap, first of all. Motion takes the linebacker out of the box. It's there. What you're looking for in that is you're looking for two guys right there in the middle to win a one-on-one and open up a gap. And the box is open. It's free for him. If he can just get through the line of scrimmage, there's nobody between him and the goal line. And so – Take the mic out, win a one-on-one, or have two guys win their one-on-ones and open up at least enough of a crease that he can get through, and he's got clear selling into the end zone. Uh, but Michigan just blew it up. They, they flat blew that play up, and now they're going to the national title. Now moving on to the rest of the game. Yeah. I just I wanted sure. to clarify yeah. that because that was just – Well, we were going to get into it, but that's – It was the, it was the yeah. most important play of the game, sure. really. So Yeah, but there you go. look, we were both, and I think – I don't think anyone took Michigan. Brooks, did you take Michigan? You took Alabama? No, too? I took yeah. Alabama. We, I all, we Alabama. all took Alabama. Yeah. And look, the reasoning I gave was I did not think that Michigan's style of offensive play would be able to confuse, frustrate, impose their will in Alabama. And look, they, for the most part, still really didn't. I mean, they had 20, should have been 21 points in regulation. Like, right. that's not a lot of points in 2024, year of our Lord. Uh, but what I thought would happen is that Milrow and that Alabama offense would just be able to make a few splash plays because mm-hmm. Milrow is a big play quarterback. He's usually not the guy. He got a little bit better at this later in the year, but he's not the guy to give you a 13-play drive. He's going to give you a 40-yard pass followed by a 20-yard run, touchdown. He's going to give you a 20-yard run, 20-yard pass, 20-yard pass. That's, that's kind of who he is. And what Michigan did such a great job of is that they didn't just kind of break even at the line of scrimmage. They won the line of scrimmage. Six sacks yeah. of Jalen Milrow. And, yeah, he got free a few times. They had some design runs that certainly worked for Milrow. They had sequences in the game where McClellan got free a little bit, where they ran the ball pretty well. But they also had sequences where it just got flattened. Like, for example – just before the fateful play, look, first and goal, they ran, no gain. Second and goal, they ran, they lost three. Mm-hmm. That set up the third and goal at the 12 or 13-yard line that they passed down to the three with Burton, who then got injured in that play, and then they had the fourth and goal from three and got stuffed again. So they ran three times out of four 
in the most important time in various ways and got stuffed all three times. So even though statistically Alabama had its moments where they were starting to work Michigan a little bit, Michigan's defense won that matchup at the line of scrimmage, and they made it hell for Miller. When you're getting that much pressure on the quarterback, you can't wait four seconds to throw the deep ball. You don't have time. So I can't even tell you without looking at all 22, and I know that angle was available. I just didn't watch that version of it. But without watching all 22, I can't tell you how many deep balls they called because he only got to throw about two of them uh, because he was on his butt or running for his life pretty much the whole game. And so that's credit to Michigan's defensive line. They didn't even let it become an Isaiah Bond, Jermaine Burton one-on-one fest in the backfield. They just went ahead and got him down. And so that's what shocked me the most about that game was how thoroughly well Michigan's defensive front played. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I had picked Alabama in that game because uh, I – I did not expect, and I'm not used to seeing, and I don't think many Alabama fans are used to seeing them get beat that bad on the line of scrimmage, on both lines of scrimmage, uh, to just get out physical by Michigan like that. I'm not used to seeing that, and I didn't think Michigan had that in them. I know they are very physical, but I, but Alabama, I mean, it's Alabama. I mean, they, they win at the line of scrimmage. That's just what Bama does. Their, their offensive line are beasts. Their defensive line are beasts. That's why they're all playing in the NFL right now. You know, you don't see that. I did not think that Michigan would do to Alabama at the line of scrimmage what they did. Now, that being said, that game was all Michigan, and it it was, you know, it was looking like, you know, goodness, what, you know, in my head, I'm saying like, you know, wow, what's happening here? Michigan's really controlling this. Now, in the second half, Alabama really got the momentum and Alabama kind of flipped the script and they started dominating the lines of scrimmage and really felt like they had the momentum and at that point I was like well here we go Alabama there that chunk play that that big play is about to happen they've got the momentum going the, uh, Michigan could not do squat on offense there in the second half and when Alabama had that momentum going and it's like here you go this is when Alabama is about to just exert their will on Michigan. Well, it didn't happen. Michigan figured it out and then started there at the very end of the game, then took back control of the line of scrimmage, got that momentum going back, and and was able to take care of business. So it it was really weird how that game flopped in the physicality-wise. Like That entire first half, Michigan owned both lines of scrimmage, maybe until very late in the first half. And then in the second half, Alabama really took control of the physicality of that game, but then they lost some of that towards the end, and Michigan took advantage of it. Yeah, Brooks, your thoughts on Alabama-Michigan. I know you were having to travel yesterday, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, I missed the entire first quarter of the game live. Okay. Uh, but then but I, I've, you got uh, the next three. Yeah, I okay. pulled in. Uh, I was also traveling. I watched a bunch, and then I traveled, but I had it on the radio, so I at least got to listen okay. to the radio. And by the way, an amazing radio call on it. That the ESPN radio uh, group, wow, that was that's some of the best play-by-play radio I, I've Excellent. ever heard. Well, maybe you should listen to more Beauregard basketball. <laughs> uh, uh, I am I'm 100 joking on my part, um, but Timson does a, yeah. a, thou, a thousand times better than I could ever do. Anyway, your thoughts, Bama, Michigan. the game. Um, you know, you, I, I came into it, uh, and I did go back and look at you know some of the stuff from the first quarter. You come into it with seven to seven, and uh, when I came in, um, and then you know it's it's just really, I think you know, 
Michigan, you, you look at that, they, they dominated that first half physically. Um, they, they, they owned Alabama for a little bit. And Alabama stayed in that football game, though. They were very, very resilient. Um, and then, you know, that the, when you, you came into the second half, Alabama felt like, and I, I agree with you, Tom, it felt like there was certain parts where you're like, oh, okay, this is where the big play is going to come. They're gonna about to, they're about to break this and, and they're going to score a couple times and they're going to win this football game. Michigan held on. I think it was, it, it was a fumble in the second half that kind of flipped the game back toward, uh, some momentum in the Michigan side of things. Um, it was, you know, it, it, it's like what, you know, we, you know, Ryan, you, you mentioned it, um, all of us picked Alabama because, and you, like you said, that style of football has never worked against Nick Saban. He he came in uh, when when he came into uh, Alabama late two thousands two thousand nine. That's what people were running, and he was able to dominate it. And then as people started to, you know, as he went on, it was just the uh, offenses started to evolve. And you know, when when Gus Malzahn got to Auburn, it was everyone said, "Oh, the spread is going to give him trouble." Uh, and it, it did for a, a, a season or two, but then he adjusted to it. But that, that style, that pro-style offense, that, that we're going to run the ball first, uh, we don't have, you know, we're not spraying the ball out, has never really worked against Alabama. Um, you, you didn't really see that work, that, that type of offense work until kind of, you know, Georgia kind of did it in that national championship game, but they still had some more elements of the spread in that too. Uh, and so this was really the first instance that you can really point to that that style of offense has really, really worked and, and gotten a, gotten a win really against a, a Nick Saban team. Um, the you know you once that fumble happened in the second half you've really felt like Michigan had a chance you still you know I, I still was sitting there thinking Alabama's you know probably going to pull this out that fourth and goal play uh, I was this is I I knew you know Michigan it, it had called their timeout uh, Alabama called their timeout and I I looked at my wife uh, Grace and I said if Alabama scores here, they're winning the football game because they just shoved all they, – they scored that touchdown. They had all the momentum on their side. They had, a, you know, three big stops. Uh, you you had stopped Jermaine Burton at the three-yard line uh, on that catch, which I think, you know, I saw some people point out, why didn't he go just into the end zone and extend that play out a little bit more? Yes, but also the play's not designed to go that far in. And if you're Milrow and you're looking to throw the ball – at that point, your receiver is not cutting back. At that point, that you know, you it could be fourth and goal from wherever they were uh, previous uh, on that third down play. Yeah. Run into Auburn offense where your receivers are not doing what they're supposed yeah. to be doing. Um, <laughs> it throws everything off. But you know, <laughs> I, I I literally told her if uh, if Alabama scores on this fourth and goal, they've won the football game. Uh, but Michigan, uh, they they came in with a game plan. Uh, it's fe- really felt like I, th- I think a lot of people pointed out when JJ McCarthy stood on the field and watched TCU celebrate at that uh, semifinal last year. Right. A-, a lot of people went back to that. That's where Michigan started won this playoff game. Is when he looked at that and said, "I'm not going to let this happen again." And he was really big. Like Blake Corum had a had a big game, but JJ McCarthy, 221 passing yards and three t- touchdowns. Huge, huge game for for Michigan. I, the point that I really thought Alabama had that game in hand was when Milrow fumbled uh, there in the second half. So Milrow fumbles, gives Michigan the ball, and it's like, okay, well, because that at that point, that's when Bama had all the momentum, and all of a sudden Milrow fumbles, Michigan gets the ball, and they go three and out. And I was like, well, that's 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 just it. I mean, 
when you have that chance to get that type of momentum and you can't do anything with it, I was like, Bama's winning this thing. We need to go to our end of our timeout right here. On the other side, we'll wrap up our thoughts about Alabama-Michigan, also talk a little bit about Texas and Washington, and then if we have time, some of the other bowl games that happened over the last few days. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call live on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here for the first show in 2024 we certainly appreciate everyone out there listening again want to remind you about the sports call survey which is available to be taken online uh, it's available on our social media pages at sports call AU on, on twitter uh, also on instagram and facebook sports call auburn and then also the tiger.fm website so tiger communications website the tiger.fm uh, you can Find the link there. It's a brief survey. It's only nine questions, eight of the multiple choice. We'd love to hear from you about how we did in 2023 and what we can do to make the show better in 2024. So, again, just takes a couple minutes of time and certainly would appreciate everyone for filling that out. Let's wrap up Alabama-Michigan discussion, then we'll get back to our orthopedic clinic phone line. Again, guys, uh, the game itself – you guys were talking about some turning points or potential turning points. We also would be remiss to say just Michigan being able to overcome absolute blunders in special Ooh, teams yeah. throughout the entirety of the game. I mean, it, 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 look, this was not special teams, but let me just set the scene that the very first play of the game was a should have been interception, but Caleb Downs stepped on the sideline before reestablishing. Yeah. And so that, that was a very inauspicious start if you're Michigan. But then you talk about the very first opportunity to field a punt for Michigan, drops it, Alabama. That comes up a 30-yard field, 35-yard field, they score a touchdown. You also talk about the missed field goal after the fumble that you guys talked about. Right. Michigan had the opportunity. They got a few first downs, had an opportunity to cut it to a one-point game, missed that field goal. It was a long one, but missed it when Reichard was making his 50-plus yarders. Right. Not to mention earlier in the game, you botched a PAT. On, I believe, the first touchdown of the game. Maybe yeah. it's the second one. I don't know. Uh, second. Second one, okay. No. Botch the PAT. Yeah, because they made it 13. Uh, snap goes underneath the, the holder's hands. I have to run back and get it. So you you lose a point there. You kind of help Alabama with seven points on the drop punt. You miss that field goal. And then, at the very end, one more last gasp effort, trying to feel the punt your own six, which, again, many would say don't feel it inside yeah. your own ten. Trying to feel your own six, drop it. 
and then fortunately recover and just do enough to make sure it's not a safety at the yeah. one-yard line, which, again, I thought Herb Street was good to point out. Like, okay, yeah, obviously you made a, a very terrible mistake. We all understand that. But – really nice recovery because you would have lost the game if you did not have a little bit of calmness, recover it, and get make sure you're out of the end zone. So it was a near disaster because of a bad decision, bad execution, but it was not the disaster because he at least re- recovered and re- redeemed himself by actually getting the ball. Uh, but just horrible special teams from Michigan – uh, and that was very nearly the difference in the game because, again, pound for pound, lines of scrimmage, that sort of thing, Michigan won that game. And, yeah. and it was not a blowout, and I'm not saying that, but it was a 7-10 a to 10 point type of decision if you're just talking about offenses and defenses. However, the special teams, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, yeah. and uh, you were staring at the face of an Alabama victory uh, with, with with some of those things, and fortunately they can't play much special teams in overtime. Just to point after, uh, but yeah, that that part of it. If if Alabama had won, we would have been leading off with that today about how right. ro- royally Michigan special teams botched that game up. Yeah, again, and I think that just points even more to how much Michigan dominated the lines of scrimmage and and what went on. You know, kind of you know outside the fifty yard line. You know, in those areas. Special teams blunders, yeah, but they overcame them and they were able to dominate for the most part the line of scrimmage and do what they needed to do to overcome that. And you know they won. They're they're heading to the national title game, and we'll see what happens because there was another game. Yeah, I'm if if I'm Michigan, I just say we're rushing eleven to try to block the punt, <laughs> and we're just not going to try to return mm. it in the in against uh against washington yeah it, it's you know just don't we're not going to touch it we're, we're just going to let y'all uh we're, we're just going to try to get to the football block it and that's going to be our punt return there. And, and you see the thing is too is the first muff like i understood it because he's trying to run up and he knows that this is a pretty short punt that is also kind of returnable so he could have fielded that he was fielding it around the 40 yard line and maybe gets five or seven yards of return that's half a field whereas mm-hmm. you let it hit Sometimes you take 10, 15, 20-yard bounces. All of a sudden, you have very normal, average pedestrian field position. So I totally understood the thought, but you got to remember something, and that is to catch the football first. And so that, again, set up the 30- or 40-yard field that Alabama scored on uh, for their first score. So, again, just a multitude of errors mm-hmm. in the special teams game for Michigan. Uh, Alabama did have one blunder on the special teams. Did they not? A punt that hit a guy, but they were able to yeah, recover it. Yeah, but they recovered it. it. Yeah. They recovered it. So, yeah. I mean, they, it, dodged, it. they dodged their own little special teams blunder sure. there. Uh, hit the back of someone's footer uh, while they were engaged in blocking, mm-hmm. but alertly the return uh, fell on it. That yeah. was the point I was listening to Joe Tessitore give me the play-by-play on radio. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which he was doing a good job at. All right, let's go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you today? Hey, Alabama, you just got beat. <laughs> yeah, they did. What's up? How's it going? Happy New Year. Um, how you doing, Tom? Happy New Year. Doing great. Miguel, your girlfriend can make it because she had to work. She went back to work today. Her first, her first day back at work since late hey, December. You, you need to ask her to pick a trivia question for me, for her, for you to 
for Oscar what is the best trivia and next time I call then he can ask me the trivia question. I can, I'll try to do that. What's up, Ryan? Not much, man. How about you? Hey, I'm glad Bama got beat. <laughs> <laughs> I was born from Michigan. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of Auburn yeah. fans were. Yep. I, 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 um, so is Nick Saban retiring? Is that his last game? I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think I think the end is pretty near. Uh, obviously, the eight, he's gotten to the age where that's going to start to be a question just about every year. Uh, but but no, I don't think that was his last game. Okay, well, here's a question. Cause like, uh, then I'm going to kind of make a short cut. I got my friend, he's kind of mad at me because I first called him at 435 and he's mad at me. He's going to probably say, why did you didn't call me? So I'm going to make a quick question and then I'll call you guys next Monday. Uh, what do you guys think about it? Yeah, I tell you, Hank Brown was going to play the game. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll i tell you this. When Hank Brown came in and threw the touchdown pass, I actually texted these two guys. I said that you would be very happy that Hank Brown got in and got him a touchdown. Yeah, but my question is, like, do you guys think with White coming in, that Peyton Thorn, why, like, why would you say that Peyton Thorn is still going to be our quarterback? It's going to be wide open. I think the best for a quarterback to be to be Hank Brown. What do you guys think? I think that it will be an open competition, and I think that Hugh Freeze did walk back those comments that Peyton Thorne was going to be the starter after uh, the, the bowl loss because of how poor the play was. And I think it'll be a competition. It's going to be way too early to, to be able to name a starter. I don't think they'll do that in the spring either. I think that they're going to have to – Evaluate a bunch of options, and they will. And look, I think they'll still evaluate portal options too. Whether they actually sign somebody, we'll see. But I, I think that was kind of a wake up call for Hugh Freeze. I think that he was operating under the belief that Peyton Thorne was improving, that they were going to get him in a good spot for next year, and the bowl game was an ugly, ugly wake up call. And so I think he's going to exhaust all options now. Well, hey Ryan, this question is for Brooks, my man, man Brooks and Tom. All right. If you guys were Hugh Freeze, okay, okay, Freeze, and say it was eight a game, say it's not already a game, and eight a games all over and stuff like that, and you see how the quarterback races, and then it's down to probably say uh, Hank Brown, Gardner, and White, okay, and then say that Brown. And you're saying this is how they performed uh, in the A-Day game, right? Yes. Um, if it's those three, uh, you know, I, you look, you, you got to take the A-Day game with with a little bit of a, you know, look at it. What it is is basically a, a, a practice uh, in front of fans, and so. Uh, you know, right now, if, if, you know, you, you look at it, I, I think the year in the offense helps both Gar- uh, Gurner and Hank Brown. Um, 
I, I would have to lean Gurner right now just because he's he's a little bit you know more into the uh, he, he's been in college a little bit longer and into the system. Uh, but you know you, you never know when if, when what's going to happen when it's an open uh, quarterback competition. And Tom, what what about you? Uh so I I think that. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an open competition. I still think that they're going to try to go after somebody in the transfer portal, and so that's going to throw another person in there. Uh, listen, I, I'm I'm happy that Hank Brown did what he did in that game, but I don't think he's going to be in the mix ultimately as a starter. I, I think you're going to be looking at, at Thorne Gurner and Walker White and then whoever comes in if they get somebody from the transfer portal. Um, you know, Hank Brown, yeah. Uh, congratulations to him on that pass there, but I, I just I don't think Hank Brown's ultimately going to be the guy in the mix. Uh, I could be wrong, but but here's a question for us for you guys. Like I said, I, like my friend, you know, I'm gonna call him later on. He's gonna be kind of upset with me. But uh, two questions. One question is, who does Hank Brown remind you of? Of what quarterback? I give you guys a multiple choice. A Yeah, I, I I would I would have to say none of those honestly. I, yeah. I think yeah. I I mean yeah. No, I I don't see any of those guys in Hank Brown. Yeah. Hank, Hank Hank Brown's a big guy. Hank Brown's six four. So I mean he's he's a big quarterback. Um, and, my, and last question, I mean interrupted. Last question: Did James have any more questions for me? Uh, James is not called in the last few days. Has Sean? Uh, no, Sean is not either. Sean owes us a lot of money. Sean's fired. All right. Hey, did Wardown Steve call today? Uh, yes, he has. Well, next time we call, tell him I said, hey, and um, and so, hey, are you guys going? Are you guys going to the basketball game tonight? Uh, I will be there. Make sure you look for me in section two fifteen. All right. I'll be wearing my uh, Auburn number one jersey if we get. If we leave here in time and stuff like that, I'll be down with the hours and what part a shirt. Okay, all right. I, well, you guys, uh, and Tom, tell your girlfriend I said hey, and like ask her what a good trivia question for me is, and maybe you can bring her on the show next time and stuff like that. But if you guys see my man, man, Devon Reed, tell her said, what's up and happy new year. All right, we will do that. Warrior, guys. Warrior, Matt. Appreciate that phone call. That is Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're going to head to our next timeout. When we come back, we'll get into that other playoff semifinal game between Texas and Washington. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday edition of the program. Having fun in our first voyage of the 2024 year. And again, with a new year, we do have a Sports Call survey up and available to be taken on our social medias and on our website, thetiger.fm. Would really love for everybody to be able to give their thoughts. We want to help to improve this show in 2024. We'll have that up for a couple more weeks and would love for uh, you to respond to get your word in on what you'd like to see with Sports Call in 2024. So we've talked a little bit about the Alabama-Michigan semifinal. Let's move on to the nightcap with Washington and Texas in the Sugar Bowl. That game was expected to be a little bit higher scoring. It was. It was not just a complete up-and-down track meet, but it was higher scoring, a little more offense. And we saw a master class from Michael Penix yeah. and the Washington Huskies who are on their way to play for a national championship. Uh, yeah, I mean, Penix was absolutely fantastic in that game. But let's, let's do like we did with the Alabama game. I want to start there at the end of the game um, because that's ultimately what did it. Uh, a couple of things there. Uh, for anybody that was watching it, it looked like Washington had the game and all they were doing was run the clock out uh, and an injury. Like, of the most inopportune time to have a guy go down with an injury. Um, and it looked really bad. I mean, he, you could hear it audible, him screaming and yelling. I mean, like, it, it just completely tore his leg apart. I don't know how bad his injury is, if it's going to hold him out. Apparently, he was uh, in a walking boot after the game. But – they're running the clock out, and that's it. I mean, they're literally just running the clock out. Game is over. Injury happens. Clock stops. They have to punt it, and then all of a sudden, here comes Texas with a couple of big throws. They get down to the two. Now, or I'm to the 12. Um, the one thing that I don't understand is there in the was it the second I think it was the second to last play before the incomplete in the end zone which Washington defensive back made an absolutely incredible play on that ball to knock it away uh, I mean uh, you said a master class from Michael Penix that was about as a master class of a defensive play uh, as a defensive back to keep your eyes to the backfield to see the ball coming to jump time it and be able to swat that ball away to save that win but why in the world did Texas, Texas wasted a play with the pitch, the the little toss, the little pitch to the to the right that went for nothing? He he's lucky he was able to get out of bounds because uh, if they tackle him in bounds, I don't know that they get another playoff. It's one of those that was one of those weird plays. Even the announcers were like, you know, they kind of questioning that. Uh, it was just bizarre that they wasted a play like that. But uh, uh. That game got intense there at the end because, yeah, it looked like Washington was running the clock out. You have an injury to stop it. You give Texas a little bit of time. They make that one real long pass 
down into Washington territory and then another really good pass to get it to the 12. And I at that point, I thought Texas was going to win the game. I, they, the way they just moved the ball and, the, and you know, it was kind of one of those things that uh, it, it just it felt like it was not meant to be for Washington. I mean, you're literally running the clock out and you have an injury to stop the time and then they come down and they get that close and it's like, man – they're, they're about to do this. They're about to rip Washington's hearts just completely out of their soul. Uh, but they weren't able to do it. A, a, an amazing play in the, in the end zone on the last play, and the Washington Huskies headed to the national title game. Yeah. I, look, I'll say that I thought that I was a little disappointed in some people's view of it coming into the game. I think a lot of people wrote them off as some lesser team because they were coming from the Pac-12 yeah. and that sort of thing. And look, I still I, I'm guilty. Uh, well, I mean, look, you can still think Texas is going to win, but give credit where credit's due with Washington, saying like, hey, they they beat the odds twice with Oregon. Like everyone thought Oregon beat them the first time, right. they were wrong. Second time, Oregon was still favored against them on the neutral field in the Pac-12 championship. Washington beat them a little bit bigger yep. than they did the first time. And and the reality is, is that again, you don't have to say the Pac-12 full on caught the SEC this year or anything like that. But the chasm that had existed to the nth degree the last six, seven, eight, however many years had clearly shrunk because the Pac-12 used to be the worst Power 5 league. That's kind of why we got to where we are today with teams moving and that sort of thing. Well, the ACC is that now, and it was an unfortunate year for the Pac-12 because they had two excellent teams in Washington, Oregon, and they had plenty of of teams that were in the 7-8 win range just like any other Big 12, Big 10, whatever, where they had some teams that kind of back in top 25 teams like Oregon State and Utah and that sort of thing. USC was very disappointing, but had, certainly had the offense for it. And and Arizona, who had a hell of a year. Yeah. you know, So that league was, again, I'm not saying you have to make some take about how good or, or great it was, but it was clearly way better than the leagues that you're remembering of years past. And so uh, with Washington, it's like that meant something to me to be perfect – this year when you had to play four or five ranked teams, you had to play Oregon twice and that sort of thing. So on, on one hand, again, I'm, I'm, it's not I told you so because I didn't grandstand for them or anything like that. I, I still thought Texas would win at the end of the day. But I'm glad they showed that, yeah, there was a good team that was in a league that was formerly not great that kind of proved that there was a little bit of remembering too much of the past and not appreciating how damn good Penix was and how, yeah. and how much they had improved. The other thing, though, about this game in particular was everything to do with the sequence at the end, for sure. Because, look, you can't – I mean, again, as you said, Dylan Johnson was clearly very injured yeah. after that play. Uh, so as easy as it for me, who's not injured at the time, to say, just crawl, hobble, <laughs> Do something get get up. roll, stop, drop, and roll, get yeah. to the sideline. As, as much as it's been to say that, like if you're that injured, obviously you know the situation and you just can't move. You can't move. Uh, so that unlocks the ability for Texas to do what they did. And then just calamity of errors, 15-yard pilling, the kick-catch interference, uh, allowing – you know that's that. that's a free – again, that's more than 10% of the field. It's 15% of the field. And uh, you, you give that for free with no time on the clock. That 35, 40-yard play that you're talking about, the one-on-one, hell of a catch, which was ruled a catch. If it was ruled incomplete on the field, I think it would stay incomplete, but it was ruled a catch, right. so it stayed a catch over over shoulder. So you get to that last sequence, and this is where Texas comes in, and, I, and you have to criticize a little bit. Look, I don't actually hate as much as I think other people do, and 
Granted, I defend play calling a lot. That's just who I am, and I'm sorry about it. The first down play call, I'm not sure that it was only for that pitch because it was a fake pitch, and then he turns, and then he's like, eh, fine, I'm going to throw it back to him. Then he kind of throws him the ball instead of hands him the ball or pitches him the ball. And so what I think that was is I would like to see if we can get him spread out too much where we get a seam route. And if we don't throw back to him, let's try and get three to five yards closer, get out of bounds since he's going to be near the sideline. And then we're operating two or three plays from the six or seven rather than the 12 or 13, rather than just trying Mm -hmm. to throw the end zone. Because everyone knew at any point you get stopped in bounds, short of a first down, short of the goal line, it's over. So I think they were trying to take one step in, one step out of, okay, let's look to see if we got something real quick over the middle that might get in the end zone. If not, let's see if we can get five yards on the sideline, make this a six-yard play instead of a 12-yard play. It's just that it was very well defended, and it was not there. And so he catches it. He does get out of bounds. I think he lost a yard on it. So that didn't go well. The next criticisms come to Quinn Ewers because they did throw to the end zone twice on second and fourth down. The third down play was blown up. Like, they had no chance. The the blitzing linebacker got there. He had to th- chuck it away. He just right. did in time. Barely. But second and fourth down. Second down, you had a one-on-one with Mitchell. The corner had kind of helped off the mm-hmm. underneath receiver a little bit, so he was going to provide help if you threw it just a complete lob. But he straight threw it out of bounds. Threw it, There's th- no chance. Yeah. And Mitchell's Air-mailed a 6'4 kid who had made the touchdown catch the drive prior – and it was so athletic that he jumped a second early on that play <laughs> and still was taller than the corner and still caught it. Yeah. So no chance of any human being in the field of play catching the second down. And the problem with the fourth down play is to the same player. The problem is why do you throw it to the 6-4 guy? So that he can out-jump the defensive back and make the one-on-one play. The problem is you threw him the type of ball that he had to stay grounded to try to keep his feet in to make the catch. Like he's trying to toe-tap because you're throwing it too high and out of bounds. Well, what does that do? The DB, who's still smaller, he's able to jump because it doesn't matter if he catches the ball or not. He just needs to make sure Texas doesn't catch it. So he gets to jump and slap it away, whereas the receiver is having to stay on the ground to try to make sure he keeps a foot in. So the second down play was not even catchable by anyway. And the fourth down play is not using the best asset that you had in a 50-50 ball is not allowing a tall receiver to out-tall somebody. So, look, I get it. First down play, obviously, functionally, it was very poor. I get it. But at least I saw the vision, even if it was not executed. But second and fourth down, that's just objectively bad throws. And Quinn Ewers is really damn good. If he comes back to Texas next year, Texas is, again, going to be really damn good. But Quinn Ewers really messed up for such an accurate quarterback, messed up two opportunities to give his his players a chance at a 50-50 ball because, again, out of four plays, you functionally got one play. You got one throw into the end zone, and even that was not the right kind of throw for what you needed. Like, that's misexecuted. At the same point, too. Uh, Brooks, thoughts on Texas Washington? Uh, Michael Penix, uh, should he opt out and keep his draft stock high before playing Michigan in the national championship game? <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I joke. It, it's a joke. I kid, I kid. Um, but, man, you know, he, he showed why he was uh, a guy that was, you know, a, a Heisman finalist and a, a guy that uh, – was second in voting for the Heisman. He put on, as you guys said, a master class uh, in that game. 430 passing yards. What was that? Fourth all-time in a, in a playoff game. Uh, throw, uh, uh, passing. Yep. Um, two touchdowns. 
uh, he was he was so good. Um, you know, it, it was Texas had chances to win that football game. They had a chance to 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 win that game there at the end. Uh, Washington, though, you know, you look at their defense. They they've got a they've got a defense that uh, I saw somebody put uh, put it on uh, put on Twitter that this is you when you want a stop, you're not going to get a stop, but they're going to get a stop when you need a stop. Um, and so it's it, you know they're a team. That uh, I think they can, you know, you look at them coming out on the, that national championship stage in a week. Um, they can be able to put up some points. Uh, Michigan's defense looks really, really good. Uh, we we talked about that with the Alabama game, uh, but this is this Washington team is is just they they've got some weapons on offense, and especially if the their running back uh, Johnson uh, can can come back, it's uh, that that could be very very dangerous. Um, you know they they you, you look at what uh, Kalen DeBoer has built there. I'm, I'm still want to see him after Michael Penix uh, leaves and see how they're they're uh, they look. But uh, he you know he won a one of the Coach of the Year awards for a reason. He he's got that team. Uh, you know, we've watched them all year long. Uh, he, he's got them playing really really high levels of football right now. Um, you look at that game last night. Uh, I think both offenses is what you wanted to see, especially after what you you know. I think this is the game that you expected more offense to be had in uh, of the two semifinals. Uh, you knew that Michigan's defense was good. You knew Alabama's defense was good, and so this is the one that you expected to be the shootout. And it kind of it, it mid level shootout. It, you know, when we think about shootout, we're thinking fifty something to forty something uh, these days in, in college football, but. You know they they both came out they they played really well like you said Ryan Quinn Ewers uh, I, I think that if you know when he if he's back next year at Texas uh, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with uh, offensively in the SEC especially um, it it's just you know Washington has done this all year they've they've won the close games all year they they're a team that you you looked at the second half of of conference play for them and there were some some games that you you looked at and said. They they only won this game by uh, how much? Are you, are you sure? But they you know the thing is is they won the football games and they won their Pac-12 championship. They beat Oregon twice, an Oregon team that uh, put it on an undefeated Liberty team yesterday uh, in in the Fiesta Bowl with Bo Nix. Um, and so you know Washington when if, if you get into a close game, the Huskies are, are a team that's built to win these close games, and, and they proved it last night. Yeah. Um, so yeah, going back to the first down play and I, and I get what you're saying, but I, I guess my whole thing with that is Texas had been taking the shots and you knew that they had those big athletic receivers and, and I guess that's what was so weird is cause they had been taking shots, been taking shots and you're fully expecting they're going to take a shot right here at the end zone. Cause that's just what they had been doing. And then all of a sudden that little play happens and you're like, Whoa, what the heck was that? Like that's. But again, Washington's expecting it to go to the end zone, so maybe you catch them off guard, like you said, and and you get something out of that. So okay, now that you explained it, I kind of get it. It was just weird because it was completely different from what they had been doing to get down there. That all of a sudden they run this little wonky looking play, and you're like, "Ugh, like what the heck just happened? That just didn't feel right." So there's that. Um, I also want to mention this. With Washington and yeah, there's a bias that I have, and I think it's a bias that a lot of people in the Southeast have, um, and, and they have really overcome that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when you look at the Pac-12 and just kind of the history 
when you when you think about the teams over the last years or so that have been your national champion caliber teams, have either won national championships or have been right there playing for them. You go back and you think about Southern Cal with Pete Carroll. Okay, well, that felt like a Southern Cal team that was about as close to what you see now with Alabama or Georgia. Um, it, what Pete Carroll did out there at Southern Cal in those years it was literally the best team money could buy. I mean, they got put on probation. He's not even their coach. He had to leave kind of in disgrace. You know, you had Reggie Bush and Matt Leinert and Carson Palmer and all these guys went on to the NFL. I mean, you literally had a an all-star team of the best players that money could possibly buy on the field, and you did things with it. And then you had Oregon – which was this real quirky offense with just these speedsters that would just fly all over the field and make your head spin. Their defense was kind of, yeah, it was okay, pretty good, some decent players here and there, but just this quirky Chip Kelly offense that would just make your head spin with how fast they were and how odd and weird everything was. Outside of that, there's been some good teams, but it's like whenever they go up against – an SEC team or whenever they go up against a Texas or somebody that, you know, is like that, the, the physicality comes in and they just – you get beat. And that's what I thought was going to happen with Washington in this game is like, hey, yeah, they're good. They're a great Pac-12 team. Uh, but, I mean, do they, do they really stand up to what Texas does? And that's what I didn't think would happen. And they did. And they are – I knew they were good, but they're better than I than I thought. Now that being said, when I start looking ahead to this championship game, I sit there and I have to go, Michigan's going to win this because Michigan is going to beat them at the line of scrimmage, you would think. But Washington has shown that they can play a physical brand of football, that they are not uh, a quirky Oregon team. They're obviously not a juggernaut uh, Southern Cal team. But they're a complete team. They, they're very, very good. They obviously have a very high-caliber quarterback. They've got weapons all on the offensive side of the thing of the ball. And they've got a defense that can play physical and get after it. So, um, I lean Michigan in that, but it's not the way I thought it was going to be. Uh, yeah. Washington's a lot better. Than, and, and also that, that bias from Southeast comes because you don't get to see Washington a lot on TV unless you really go searching after them to watch them because they're usually playing while we're watching our games around here or they're on so late at night that everybody's already seven drinks in to drown their sorrows away or, or celebrating a win. And it's like, oh, yeah, that Washington's still playing a game out there on the West Coast we, we completely forgot about. So you don't really get to see Washington to see how good they are and then you see them in a bowl game or a bowl game playoff game like you did against Texas, and now you sit back and you're like, "Dadgum, they they're pretty good. They're not as they're not just this quirky West Coast team. They're actually pretty darn solid." Yeah. And Michael Penix is really dang good. And yeah. and this is your reminder that uh, Washington did beat Texas in the Alamo Bowl last year. Oh yeah. Well, and if you want another reminder that they're going to play in October in the Big Ten later this year oh. there'll be different rosters by then and maybe a different coach at michigan uh but, but uh, we'll that's see the rumor that, that's that's just uh that's fodder for another day but i uh, am yeah, washington gets the win over texas and i to your point too i thought that the important thing about what washington's defense did do 
is that they made everything happen account quick for Quinn mm-hmm. Evers. And it was not necessarily as much pressure as Michigan put on Jalen Milrow earlier right. in the day, but we saw the one time Texas lost that when they lost to Oklahoma, some chaos happened. That's because Oklahoma just made Quinn Ewers go account quick. They threw right. account quick. They had turnovers and that sort of thing. And I felt that's kind of what happened with the game last night. Even at the beginning of the last drive, I think you saw the residual of that because a couple of times really early in that drive, Ewers throw it before the receiver had even turned around because yeah. he was just kind of anxious because yep. he knew that he had not had all day, all night. And so – I think that that part of it, and that's why I always preach now, why I've just gone to in this age of offense, the most important part about your defense is your defensive front. You need to be able to stop the run, yes, but you need to be able to pressure that quarterback. There are too many talented quarterbacks and receivers now to just let things go however the offense wants them to go in the passing game. And you saw that Washington was able just to disrupt enough stuff and able to throw Quinn Ewers off enough to be able to get the stop they needed and go on to the national championship game. We're about out of time for the show today. One final timeout, back with the nightly TV guide right after this. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play sports call Auburn. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here. Final couple minutes of the show today. Kind of weird to uh, start a week with Tom on a show and not be doing best and worst of the weekend. Oh, yeah, because it's not Monday. Because it's not Monday. I mean, if you want to give a real quick, like, 30 seconds. Oh, I'll tell you, what, a, a worst, we mentioned <laughs> it, that the uh, the officiating call in that Lions-Cowboys sure. game. What, what day was that? Uh, that was Saturday. Saturday that night, was Saturday. Yeah. Woo! Boy. That that was bad. Yeah. Um, and for anybody, well, you said thirty seconds. I ain't got a lot of time. But anyway, yeah. the refs screwed up. They, they, did. <laughs> they That was they did. bad. Brooks, something you want to shout out, good or negative, real quick? Uh, good is uh, when we were in Savannah, we actually stayed out on Tybee Island, and so we went to uh, the National Monument uh, at Fort Pulaski. Uh-huh. Uh, two days actually, we went to the fort one day, and then me and Grace went back and walked around. Uh, the grounds a little bit on the on Sunday. Uh, very nice. Uh, I love history. Uh, I love going around the old forts, even though all of them look basically the same uh, when you get inside of them. Uh, but it was very, very fun. Could you, could you imagine being a, a Lions player? It's one thing being a fan. I get it. You know, you, you do your ups and downs, but being a player and you do everything right and you win the game and the rest are like, no, it's a penalty on this guy because and I didn't you're like, hear you. Yeah, you were like, wait a minute, no, it's like, it could, like just the pure helpless feeling. Yeah, of like you're literally taking this away from us, and we did what we were supposed to do, and you're saying we didn't. And we're like, we literally did. I mean, we yeah. literally told you exactly what's happening right here, and you're gonna sit there and go, no, you didn't. And you're taking a win away. You're gonna look at me. Just tell me I'm wrong. The most, yeah, yeah. This guy reported as eligible. Was like, oh, the guy that lined up on the complete opposite side of the field from where the play ran and was covered up. Yeah, that guy is the one that reported as eligible. Come on. Yeah, 
Jesus. Yeah, and we'll what talk a little bit more terrible, about that when we set call. up the, when we set up the next week of football too, because that definitely changed the outlook of the playoff yeah. standings for sure. Uh, my real quick best is um, New Year's Eve. Also happens to be one of my good friends' birthdays, so we were out uh, across Auburn and Opelika uh, New Year's Eve and. Uh, bringing in the new year and getting drunk. And I wasn't. I really wasn't. Uh, and so, really had a great time celebrating her. Uh, she's a special person. Yeah. And notice he uh, said I really wasn't. Yeah. Does mean not everybody? Yeah, was. I can't. Well, yeah, I can. I can only control myself. But uh, it was a group of people, so I'm not even telling you which one or which which ones were and were not. No, I, but, I think I have an idea. Okay. Well, <laughs> but anyway, she's a special person. Uh, happy birthday to her, and had a really good time celebrating her and bringing in the new year. All right, final minute or two of today's show, the first show of 2024. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. All right, Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented, as always, by White Claw Heart. Seltzer Brooks, what do we have? Well, you know what? There's a lot of college basketball on tonight, and so I'm not giving you any movie picks this evening. We're just going all hoops all night long. We'll start things it's off. It's a ball night. It's a ball night. The ball don't lie if you watch it correctly. Uh, 6 o'clock on ESPN, the ACC restarts their conference season because they played a game already and then went back to non-conference, but they're back. Uh, North Carolina visits Pittsburgh tonight, 6 o'clock ESPN. Follow that up on ESPN uh, 2 at 6 o'clock. East Carolina visits Florida Atlantic. Also ESPNU tonight. Toledo takes on Ohio. 7.30 on FS1. uh, The Big East basketball action continues. Butler visits St. John's. And you've got three games tipping off at 8 o'clock on the ESPN Networks. ESPN at Syracuse visiting Duke on ESPN2, Charlotte at SMU. ESPNU tonight, Ryan will be tuned into this one. UAB visits UTSA. And then the nightcap on FS1 for all you late-night basketball junkies. New Mexico visits a highly-ranked Colorado State team. If you haven't been keeping up with the Rams, uh, I highly suggest you should keep up with, uh, with, what, with what is going on in Fort Collins at uh, basketball this year. And that, my friends, is a basketball version of the Nightly TV Guide brought to our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks. Yeah, the Mountain West has four or five pretty good teams. So Mountain West can be a multi-bid league this year. We'll keep up with that. And you mentioned uh, Auburn Penn tonight, too. Oh, yep, that's right. Yep. So uh, that got that. We'll be talking about that on the show tomorrow. But, Brooks Childress, thank you for being here today. We'll see you again later this week. See you then. And, Tom Peavy, thank you for being here. We'll see you again tomorrow. Absolutely. Enjoyed it. Again, that does it for the show today. First show of 2024 in the books. We appreciate Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us. And, as always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Happy New Year. Have a great night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.